0: Everybody, we're back. It is episode nine review time, and oh my goodness, what an epic episode that was! Whether you loved it or hated it or somewhere in between, you gotta admit it was epic and one of, if not the most, uh, expensive and comprehensive battle scene ever filmed for television. Certainly, we watched the behind the scenes, as in the making of the Battle of Winterfell. Highly recommend it. By the way, it's a ten-minute feature. You can find it on YouTube. It's behind the scenes, filming the Battle of Winterfell, and, ah, wow, just so much went into making this episode, right? I mean, this was just, you can tell just from watching it that they had to have spent huge dollars and huge time and effort, and you got to respect that effort, regardless of what you think of the episode, I think.
1: A lot of times I think about logistics of stuff, you know, and uh, never mind, like, logistics of a real battle, a real army, but also filmmaking. And just imagine if everyone there was working for free. If they just, <laughs> uh, whoever owned the horses, all the soldiers, all the, if everyone agreed to do it for free, still it would be an amazing production to get that all together. But guess what? I, I don't know, but I'm guessing each horse present was hundreds of dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even guess how many thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm There's
0: probably some record of it somewhere. Probably a million. I mean, the Battle of Blackwater cost, I think, uh seven million or something like that it was about Holy cow. it was about half of I, originally we told said to people yeah. it was 15 but that was like the budget for the whole season and it was just most of it was on the battle. like a huge chunk of it was battle of the blackwater this every and every season the budget has gone up i don't know how much they spent on this but you can tell that a huge percentage of the whole season budget went into it i would think keep in mind
1: by the way you think about all those soldiers all those horses uh you know the choreographing of it all just imagining like they probably didn't do it two hours, probably took a few days of filming stuff. Yeah, the post production editing for people who don't have massive editing should get more credit as an Academy Award. <laughs> everyone talks about best actor, and I think people know well enough to give credit to the director. I'm telling you, editing uh, is a big deal, too. It takes a lot of time, a lot of skill, a lot of patience, and a lot of creativity. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I could especially what you're saying about the patience rings really hard when you hear that they took. 86 hours of footage to film that scene. 86 hours. And it'd be edited down to 30 minutes or something. Yeah. I mean, damn, that is the scale. I just, it's mind blowing. Like Kit Harrington was being interviewed talking about, yeah, it was hard. I'm like, oh, that's an understatement, man.
1: <laughs> this is, now here's the thing. There was this whole other thing in Moraine. There was this whole the dragon and all that stuff too. Yeah, that was man. <laughs> also a, a, amazing and well done, and I imagine expensive.
0: Yeah, I think that was probably, I totally agree with you, although I'd say that that was almost all CGI. Whereas I think yeah. the Battle of Winterfell, there was a lot of CGI, but it was a lot of real Those were real horses. They had 80 real horses. They had tons of extras. They had, you know, these elaborate camera setups. And they said it took all day, 10 hours just to film Kit Harrington punching out <laughs> Ewan Ryan, you know, Jon John Snow punching out uh, Ramsey Bolton there. And, and they, they said it in kind of a funny way. They said, we spent about 10 hours of Kit Harrington on top of Ewan Rian. <laughs> Which is smashing just his yeah, Smashing his face. That's really <laughs> funny. So, yeah, so folks, we've got a lot to talk about with this episode. And, and unlike a lot of previous episodes, we're going to particularly pay attention to these behind-the-scenes things, the way they made it. And and that's just natural because it, it deserves to be talked about because so much went into it. And also, frankly, there's less plot analysis in this episode than normally would be. There's plenty of plot analysis still. Yeah, don't there, forget. A I, lot of things happen. As always, I saw thoughts that
1: have come to my brain since our last podcast about the last week's episode. Yeah. And when course, we yeah. see Littlefinger for sure is
0: here, then you start thinking, okay, what's his next play? How's it going to be perceived by John And so on. And what's going to happen after? I mean, we've got Sansa's going to have to explain to John why she didn't... Tell him about... I mean, that's been a question for well, several Sandra's episodes. Alessandra's going to have
1: to explain uh, what you did to me, Yeah, that's yeah. really
0: big. Yeah, so there's some big things coming still. And, of course, episode 10 is 69 minutes long. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things to wrap up. As usual, we will deal with the credits. Uh, rather, not the credits, but after our credits, we will deal with the, the trailer for next week, what we have to expect. Uh, of course, we'll take into account preseason trailers, because now... Anything we saw in the preseason trailer we haven't seen yet is going to be in episode 10 because that's the last place it could be, unless it's a deleted scene. But that seems pretty unlikely. Red Herring. That they would use a deleted scene in the preseason trailer. It's possible, but unlikely. Anyway, so we'll get to that at the end. There'll be plenty of. We have a lot to say about that, but we have a lot to say about the episode (laughs) before we get to that point. So, like you said, battle of a battle of fire, which is a, a term that is loosely based on the books. Call it that that engagement, which is it's a bit different in the books, without being too specific. Engagement in marine. Yeah, it's called the Battle of Fire by the fans. Gave it that name. It's okay. not. It's not the books. Don't call it the Battle of Fire. It's a fan name, and so we we're calling it that here. It's for obvious reasons. Battle of Fire, and then the other one is the Battle of Ice. Uh, in some ways, it's. You know, there's some similarities there, but these are good, good generic terms to call, Battle of Fire and Battle of Ice. Now, I, I noticed a couple of cool things, a couple of parallels between the battles. They gave us the shot. They tracked the shot of the trebuchet flaming ball from up to down like a, like a GoPro was attached to it or something. That was really cool. And they did the same with an arrow shot during the Battle of Ice. That was neat. I like that parallel there going up in the air. A lot of drones, I'm sure, were, camera drones were used for this. They had a lot of great up uh, shots from high up. And, yeah, even down to the little details like, you know, before the battle, we see a couple of shots of some of the guys' faces and as they're, like, getting ready for battle. But, yeah, let's focus on Marine. There's, um, It's easy to just talk about all these battles as a whole and, and to get geeking out and get lost in these and how much fun it was. By the way... 10.0 on IMDb. I love to point out the IMDb ratings because it kind of gives a loose idea of the general reaction. You know, we all have our individual reactions, how we know what, what our friends and family think and, and our friends on Facebook or whoever, wherever you go to talk about the episode afterwards. I'm sh- 10.0. 10.0. After 36,000 votes, that is really something, especially given that, you know, Home was a 9.8 last year. Same director, by the way, Miguel Sapochnik guess he's good at these epic scenes these epic episodes and if it holds at a 10.0 which is kind of unlikely even though it's had so many votes already even if it drops a point or two it could easily be the most popular game of thrones episode of all time and that is on the heels of the least popular episode of the season which was no one and that's you know it's still clocked at an 8.2 which isn't bad for tv but you know we don't need to rehash all the problems with that episode Mm -hmm. so it's kind of nice to you know, even unless you didn't like the episode, you know, sorry, if that's <laughs> if that's how you feel about it. You know, maybe maybe understanding some of these other things will help you like it a little more. But bottom line, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it, that's your call. But it is nice, for those of us who did like it, that it, you know, came on the heels of an episode that was kind of unpopular. So, marine, a lot of fire themes. Uh, Tyrion and, and Daenerys having a, a nice discussion there at the beginning. That, you know, at first, Tyrion's kind of like uh, trying to convince... He's pissed at me. I'm trying to get no. Things really are like this. Is why this is a good sign. It's not good that they're blowing up the city, but it's good that they're reacting to it because it means it's working. It means that they're a, they see this threat and they need to stop it. And if we don't let them stop it, then we may transform this region.
1: On one hand, it's got to be frustrating for Tyrion to have felt like he did such a good job and also have done such a good job. Then for it to kind of have one aspect of it, at least, backfire, and then mom shows up right at that moment, (laughs) you know, like it's out of context. That said, though, still, even if he hadn't done anything outstanding in the meantime and she shows up and shits hit the fan or whatever, Think about what it was like when she left. It's not like she left and everything was fine and
0: now it's ruined. She, everything was in dire straits when she, she left. left right? there was a massacre at the, at the arena. Yeah. <laughs> she left during the Sons of the Harpy uprising and came back to a larger scale version of it. I yeah. Mean, yeah, she can't. Yeah. And she didn't really blame Tyrion. She was just being a ruler and making him explain himself and, you know, being in charge. Right. She. You got to also
1: imagine she has some hope in her mind that when she gets back... Things will have settled. She, mm-hmm. you know, she like ran through a list of expectations when I returned. A fleet of ships launching fireballs into the city probably wasn't on her list. It probably <laughs> is worse than even her worst expectations.
0: But at least they still had the city. That was also a possibility. <laughs> right, they had lost right, it entirely. True.
1: And she did have this sort of like uh, frustrated front, but she also seemed reasonable. Yeah. You know, it's especially when you see her. Uh, seething in anger, she's like, I'm gonna kill everyone and burn the cities, <laughs> and Tyrion's like, slow down, you're sounding like your dad, she was like, alright, you know, she she did, she was willing to listen and compromise, yeah. she 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 could have, like, blamed it all on him and kicked him out of the city, but instead she listened to what he had said and followed with his advice, so...
0: And she realized that, you know, at the bottom line, she, she uh, realized that he did a good job, if not better, given the circumstances, and... You know, he wasn't privy to the military plan. As we see, that's not his strong point. Grey Worm pointed that out. He himself admitted it, and Danny's like, yeah, I've got a plan. And Tyrion tempered that plan. Tyrion tempered Danny's temper. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, I think that's good. It, it shows that there's a lot of potential for them to work together as a team in that regard. Because Tyrion is t- t- I want to call him sober. <laughs> he's such a he's a drunk, but he's got the sober attitude about about things. He's He's it's back to the same sort of conversation he had with with Grey Worm and Missandei where he's like, look, we got to be realistic here. Yes, slavery is awful. War is awful or worse, Uh, but we cannot get rid of them so quickly. We have to have a reasonable plan, something that's going to work, not something that just we that feels good. And, and, you know, they had their points, too. They had good points, too. Don't work with them. They're going to trick you. And that that turned out to be right. But it wasn't, they didn't trick them in a way that they really got caught with their pants down. You know, it was like, okay, well, here they come, they're attacking us. But they didn't lose.
1: They, I, w- I wonder if they would have. Like, what if Danny doesn't show up with yeah, an army and dragons, you know, they how might have very they lost. Well, yeah, and
0: that, and that explains it, too. The slavers aren't stupid. I mean, they, they, over, they underestimated the dragons. They underestimated Daenerys, perhaps. But at the time, they had never seen the dragons, like, used as a weapon. They hadn't seen yeah. them like they were just like a... Di- so it kind of it almost made sense, and it was like, if we're ever going to strike, now's the time. Before the dragons are a weapon, we got to get rid of them now before they're actually...
1: They seemed to even know the dragons were locked underground. They you did, know? yeah. They, even if they were a theoretical threat, they're a locked-up theoretical threat at this moment. You got to imagine they've got their own master of whispers. You know these are huge entities with huge forces. Yeah, the Sons of the are
0: clearly inside the city still, right. so they're able to they're pass to get intelligence.
1: Yeah. Now, by the way, I personally didn't read too much into this. It didn't occur to me, and when people pointed out to me, I didn't read too much into it. But a lot of people have been asking me, "What's up with Varus?" Shows up when Danny leaves, disappears before she gets back. I don't think that he's like colluding or, or to, against her in any way I, and it seems like too coincidental that he maybe like maybe he did get word that hey delta rocky army's on the way and danny's got a dragon he's like i'm out of here you know but <laughs> I, i'm not sure why that would be the case i don't feel like they've set that up but it seems noteworthy at yeah. a minimum they but, haven't
0: even had a scene together yet right yeah. yeah at all so that is that is definitely i'm with you i don't think it's i don't think virus would turn against danny if he does i don't know that we've been been given sufficient reason for it other than maybe the you know she's dealing with supernatural forces that he doesn't like but also he's a realist and is he re- would he really go against her at this point she's so dominant so powerful she has these huge armies like working against that does seem Almost stupid. <laughs>
1: it also means he's working against Tyrion, which doesn't seem. I
0: yeah, it's far, it's worth. I agree that it's worth considering, but I, I agree with you that it's probably not the case. I think that it's, maybe it doesn't go beyond that.
1: I can't that. imagine maybe he is personally afraid of Danny because he mm-hmm. had tried to have her killed. Yes. Right. Uh, maybe they even alluded to. Well, it, he didn't. He, he didn't really try to not really not have killed. her killed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe he, he warned Jorah. It. Yeah. He warned yeah. Jorah. That was his letter oh.
0: that was sent to Jorah. Like he didn't. It wasn't like. Make sure she doesn't die. He wasn't worried about it at the time. He wanted her to live, but it wasn't, like, part of his plan necessarily at the time. She didn't have the dragons, you know, then. Once she, she birthed the dragons, everything changed. It's <laughs> yeah. like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Change of plans. She's got real dragons. That's different. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's hard to imagine. Like, if you really go back and think about it, they were first backing Viserys, right? And, like, would they right. really, was that really their plan, to back that guy? Like, Varys, who's a great judge of character? Like, really? Because he, he presents it to Tyrion like, she's capable. She's a capable ruler. This this is the person that we want to install. This is a worthy ruler, because she's... They couldn't have been thinking that about Viserys. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so... I mean, if Little Coupfinger cannot know the nature of Ramsey, maybe... Varys cannot know the nature of Viserys. Well,
0: the thing is, Varys's partner, Illyrio, had hands-on experience with Viserys, yeah. whereas yeah. Littlefinger didn't actually meet Ramsay until the end there. Um, but you anyway. can
1: imagine, Varys may be aware of the sort of inevit- inevitability of things I've mentioned a few times. He might have just known, like in the same way if you think about it, Ned Stark's going to get himself killed in King's Land. <laughs> <laughs> Varys may know, like, Viserys is just going to get himself killed. That cocky little punk is going <laughs> to... Spout his mouth off to
0: the wrong person yeah. and just get his head chopped off. Well, maybe I don't off. need to worry about it. I'll let someone else have it. So if some of you are noticed here, if you're watching on YouTube, I've got my Tormund shirt on and I've got my uh, Tormund um, companion injury. I've got a little... You ever heard the expression, it's no skin off my nose? Well, mm-hmm. I lost some skin on my nose on the climbing wall. You should see <laughs> the other guy. Oh, the climbing wall. Sorry. Yeah. The, yeah. There's a big old blood stain on the wall there. <laughs> so... Now I know what that expression really means, and I can't say it anymore. There is skin off my nose. But, yeah, Tormund got his face beaten in by um, Lord Umber, but he got the last laugh. And, uh, yeah, so my sympathy injury is, is pretty mild because Tormund came out of it just fine. We are worried about him, but, yay, Tormund, keep going. All right. I was worried
1: about Ramsey, that beating that John gave to his face. I thought he might not come back for two seasons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's really not a good thing to be a character that disappears for several seasons and comes back. You just, you just get killed. Blackfish, Rickon, Osha, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably Walder. I mean, Lord Walder's probably going to die, are you, right? Are you and, saying the Hound's going to get killed? <laughs> <laughs> there are exceptions. they got to keep us on our toes, right? Um, so <laughs> another important thing with this tyrion Danny conversation, which I thought was really good, just in general, I thought it was good dialogue. And, and Tyrion brings up the wildfire about you know he talks about yeah how and the specific locations where it was and it's been it's been set up a few times now you know this is yeah I feel like that was more for us as the audience to know what Cersei's
1: plan is <coughs> rather than yeah. for Danny to know you know
0: yeah it's gonna come up and it's it's really interesting how they how Danny also when 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 Yara and Theon show up she kind of admits yeah. All our fathers were crappy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tywin's was at least capable. Tywin was intelligent, but he was also he was uh, still a, a mean guy, tyrant. Yeah, yeah, he was also somewhat villainous in a lot of ways. Um, he had some good to him, I would say. He was a little more. I would say he was, you know, a, a, a cruel and ruthless guy, and that's not good. But he did. At least, he was at least effective, you know. Um, it, kind of like in some ways he has a lot in common with Stannis in some ways, in that he was effective, but it was kind of hard to love him. Yeah. <laughs> but Tywin was a lot more willing to use cruelty. Although Stannis burned people. I mean, you know that's. <laughs>
1: yeah. Although that was also toward the end, like yeah. as Stannis arguably is going insane uh, on a quest to be the one true king, uh, as told by you know of God that he has seen real power. I think Stannis the the cruel things he did, he avoided as much as he could and he ended up doing some of them and it wasn't his true character and he was influenced by Tywin was just ruthless, greedy, <laughs> corrupt. I mean I keep in mind like he wiped out all like let's just say that the, the castomeres were all evil. Yeah. Right? That that entire family was every servant in their castle evil? Was every stable boy? He killed you know, them
0: all, right? That's why it's a war crime. Yeah. yeah.
1: Even by West Rossi standards, and, it's not, you know. <laughs> and even if you can like s- apply a Stalinist mentality to this, you know, like a family dies and it's a tragedy, five thousand people die it's a stati- statistic, right? Think how time treated his own son. <laughs> He's still like he yeah. was on many <laughs> levels, he was a bad it's don't true. get me wrong, I also appreciate his character on the screen he he was uh, oh, he's an incredible actor interesting too, yeah. and intriguing and uh entertaining but at least as terrible as balon or, or whoever yeah else, it's just that know. balon
0: just wasn't very skilled you know
1: yeah And yeah. <laughs> maybe that makes him worse if you have an evil person who's not skilled or an evil person who's skilled i agree i'd rather have the evil person who's not skilled. totally agree
0: that's that's arguably it was better for the northerners that ramsey killed roos because roos was you know yeah Maybe just as cruel, but less, like, he didn't enjoy cruelty. He was just, like, totally willing to do it. He's yeah. like, it's nothing to him. It's it's not a plus, it's not a minus, it's just a tool. It's like, yep, cruelty. He's not, but Ramsay liked it. Kind of like Jamie.
1: Jamie's like, look, man, I'm trying to be a noble guy here, but I'm going to throw your baby over the wall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I won't like it, yeah, but I'll, I'll do, do it. it yeah. You know I'll do it, you know. Yeah. I think it's, Roos is more along that. Like Roos is, me. yeah, Roos is kind of like that. He's just like... You, and he's he, he, he wants his reputation to be based on fears like people are gonna fear me and they're gonna have reason to fear me because I'm gonna I'm totally willing to do these things so. that said
1: it's not like Ramsey wasn't intelligent right yeah Ramsey's he smart would. yeah he, he definitely he's smart. played things pretty perfectly well like maybe he should have could have had a better perimeter set up and Scouts identify that <laughs>
0: should have kept the veil vale army, vale stuck army on Kaelin, its way yeah
1: maybe he's a little arrogant mixed up however intelligent he is but. but yeah he
0: wasn't he's not an idiot he he made some mistakes but he's not an idiot and he and john fell for his traps he just john got lucky even the showrunner said that he's like john yeah. got lucky he didn't that's why the arrows didn't hit him and all of sudden was like flat out you know he's the hero and you know it's kind of we're all kind of used to the hero getting lucky in battles and they still made it tense, though, despite yeah. even getting lucky repeatedly.
1: We made it. We are a little off track, though. We're supposed to be talking about Marine. Yes, we uh, are. It's, it's very, and, uh, we're
0: not staying on track very well today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Things connect well. We're doing. I think we're staying on track quite well. <laughs> uh, now that I've reminded. Let's argue myself. about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So we get. Uh, in addition to the battle, Danny comes. Tyrion tries to explain. They send the slave master back with a tale of what the
0: fear and I like what the next step's normal. gonna be. Yep. Like, uh, this guy will tell. <laughs> Let one live to tell the tale. It's yeah. But we also get uh,
1: Theon and Yara showing up, yeah. which I thought was. Oh, exciting.
0: actually, let's back up just a second. I want to talk about the besides the wildfire hints, the the uh, talking about destroying cities outright. Yeah. You know, yeah, and how yeah. Tyrion's like, look, it didn't take much reasoning for Danny to see that point. She's like, okay. You got a point there. She didn't say that. She just kind of moved past it. That's what rulers do. They don't admit, you're right. Good point. They just tacitly agree and move on. <laughs> By the way, Th- Tyrion probably
1: saw it in his own dad too. Like destroying mm. the is like that. Like you want to, you want to, you have these slave masters that have wronged you, that have wronged society. You want to get back at them. But everyone in that city isn't a slave master. You can't destroy everyone just to punish these few. Yeah,
0: there's plenty of you're know, like all the slaves that have been captives for their whole lives. Like, you're, you're, are you gonna really gonna kill them too? And Danny's like, yeah, because it's the same thing. It's this is a nice parallel between Danny and John and how they both have tempers, like these, like this fire in them, and that's of course. a, a, a possibly related to uh, an upcoming reveal about whether this ch- truth of John's parentage comes out and whether that's true, it can, you know, shows he's got some of that fire in him, you know, the dragon in him maybe. So it's it's interesting. We've seen that from him before in some spots where he his temper gets the best of him, you know, like season one when he finds out that his father is killed and he just breaks his vows, he deserts. And he doesn't think twice. He doesn't really think twice about it, even with Sam, like, getting in his face, like, John, this is wrong. You can't do this. You said the words, and he's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Father, family first, first, first. Even though he specifically took a vow not to do that, you yeah. know. <laughs> and this is the same thing. I'm, I'm talking about John again. We're talking <laughs> about Marine here. Anyway, we'll get back to that. So I'll, I'll try to stay on topic here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the. I like the way... Okay, so let's go back to what you were talking about with Yara and Theon and that scene. What were you saying there?
1: One, I thought it was uh, the, the interplay, the, the editing, directing, acting between Yara and Danny was pretty good, I
0: thought. Yeah, the it's a great conversation. It's her first chance to speak to, like, a, a Westerosi woman with power. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of interesting, yeah, and, uh, and, and Yara knew, maybe kind of sensed that. Because she played on that a little bit, like yeah, like your dad, you know, like just like Westeros doesn't have a queen either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was good. I like that scene. Uh, it was, yeah. Uh,
1: I wonder. By the way, the uh, it was directed by the same guy from Hard Home. Yeah. Uh, did he also direct these marine scenes? I sort of assume they have different crews. You know what I mean? Well, he maybe was listed the, as
0: the director for the whole episode, yeah. but you you feel like maybe he, yeah, I don't know. I guess he did. He had a lot of hand in that too, but. It's not clear. That would be a good question to uh, look up. My guess is
1: not, because I, I seem to remember seeing multiple times when they've talked about the show and the production yeah. and everything, how they have different... I mean, they were just in totally different locations. Yeah, that, like country. Yeah, like vastly right. different, different. Like, countries like yeah, thousands of miles yeah. away, so potentially. They probably have it probably had its own director and mm-hmm. set design, da da But also, but since it's a little, smaller percentage of the episode, the overall episode, they give credit to that one director. Yeah, and
0: it's it. the CGI also. I think the Marine was like yeah. very heavily CGI. Very, not nearly as much real stuff happening whereas the winterfell battle was real horses but real there's still a, a, extras a
1: director in that room yeah. with the actors
0: when mm-hmm. yara and Danny are
1: talking to each other yeah someone's, yeah that's true someone's giving him some direction on what facial expression makes someone wrote that scene it had to be uh there's as much execution in scenes of dialogue and character development as there are in scenes of war and sword play or whatever
0: yeah know. yeah um so and so as far as some plot points from that scene as well. As far as what we, maybe what we can expect, they basically convince Danny that you're on is bad news. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, so, you know, because she's like, well, why shouldn't I team up with him? And they kind of give a convincing reason. And especially because they agree to try to, you know, make the Ironborn grow up <laughs> and get out of their reaping, yeah. raping ways. Yara agrees to this. And Daenerys is like, yeah, but we're going to be one kingdom. You're going to respect the laws of the kingdom. That's the deal. You get to you get to be in charge of your region, but it's part of the Seven Kingdoms. And Danny's still in charge. I love her like, what is this? A handshake? I've never seen this before. What is going on? And, and Theon's, I mean, Tyrion even like holds his hand out like, yeah, yeah shake it. You know, she's like... Huh. That's I, that's really funny, because she's been in the dirt, she's been a slave, and she still doesn't, like, she still it's kind of a foreign idea to her, a handshake. You know,
1: <laughs> it didn't occur to me that the handshake was a foreign idea to her, but as you mentioned it, I don't remember her ever shaking anyone's hand, or seeing anyone shake anyone's nope. hand. Uh, but I did, th- regardless, I did think it was interesting that she looked back to Tyrion for, like, direction of what to do now, whether it's whether or not I should agree to this alliance, or how do i shake hands either way in front of other people for her to look to him for direction shows she really does especially after the confrontation that we just had where she's like what did you do to my city (laughs) we see that they really are aligned
0: yeah right and and yara also the same the same kind of thing with yara when when danny demands that they give up their their lifestyle yara looks at theon and theon's like Yep, we got to agree to this, (laughs) you know. And Theon, having been what he's been through, you know, is all for it. He's like, yeah, this is not... (laughs) Yeah, I will
1: say, I mean, I have said, based on things I have said, I thought that was awesome. That's almost exactly what I wanted, you know. Like, it's much easier for me to root for Yara and or the Ironborn or whatever. They're going to try
0: to rehabilitate their people. Yeah, 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 turn them away from that. And it's going to be, it's going to take some of the things Yara said, like, they need to have, like, an economy. They need to not all be dirt-poor sailors who, you know, the appeal of raiding is partly because they're so poor. You know, it's not just that they're all bloodthirsty. Although, when you are dirt-poor for so long and, and you have a raven that. culture, what yeah. else, like, you, it's, it's like being in the ghetto and you're, you know, like, well, I could go get, maybe get a 9-to-5 bad job. Maybe, if that. Or I could go... You know, maybe deal drugs or something like that. Yeah. That's the opportunities that are available. I'm not trying to get all political here, but it's similar in that sense. That when you're, you know, a young man in this culture, and these are your opportunities. When like, it's
1: what your father is
0: doing and his father, and his father and his father. Yeah, it's your like, friends
1: at school. It's just what's you, almost expected. You know, you have
0: to have some sympathy for the fact that they didn't really have other opportunities to choose like a wholesome career you know
1: (laughs) i can have sympathy for that but
0: i'm not going to root for him (laughs) i agree totally that's i think that's a good perfect way to frame it you're like well this needs to change but i don't hate the people doing it i mean if they were like trying to kill me and my family i would hate them but uh, you know sitting here doing a podcast review uh you know we don't face those sort of challenges in real life so it's pretty easy just to be like i wouldn't hate them unless they were coming after me so, yeah, so I really like that. I really like the, the the interplay. Both those scenes I thought had some really good dialogue. Tyrion and Danny, and then Tyrion and Theon, and Tyrion and Yara and Daenerys and Yara and Theon. I thought that was all really good. And, and especially Theon not like really owning up to his, you know, he's really he's he's this is sort of some of the redemption that, you know, is, is kind of satisfying to see. He's genuinely, at least as far as we can tell, because we don't see inside his head. He seems to be genuinely remorseful. He's like, yeah, no, I didn't kill Brandon Rickon, but I did worse. You know, arguably I did worse thing. I'm not trying yeah. to say, I'm not it trying doesn't... to get an excuse. This is not an excuse, but fact is I didn't kill Brandon Rickon. it's a good way to frame yeah. it, you know.
1: I, I do remember saying way back, you know, when he was going through being tortured and everything, it's hard, on one hand, it's hard to feel sorry for him. Because even if he didn't kill Brandon Rick and he still killed two other young innocent boys. It's still he still did all these terrible things. Yeah, he seems uh, to fully admit it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I I think that was this season when he said someone said something about justice, and he said justice would be my body, my dead body hanging burned over Winterfell or something like that. Like he he knows he deserves to die. I think that know, was like, the season. Yeah, and uh, it wouldn't have
0: been. I don't think it would have been last season. <laughs> It could have been, uh, though. But I think it was this season. Yeah, yeah, I think it was earlier this season, for sure. Uh, okay, but, but multiple times, he has sort of yeah
1: d- said, like, I didn't do this one thing that people were worried about, but I did do a bunch of other stuff. I do deserve to die. All this punishment I've gotten, it's, you know, I uh, I still don't know if he deserves the punishment he's gotten. <laughs> <laughs> one of the terrible things he did, is so hard <laughs> to comprehend what he's gone through. Uh, but he seems on some level to be... He hasn't... Turn to fuck it. I'll just do whatever now. It doesn't matter. You know he still yeah. seems on some level to be trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. He's not uh, boastful about it. You know you can imagine many other characters would be boastful about it. Yeah. Tywin's brags to Ramsay about how he raped his mom mm-hmm. in front of her and hanged it. I was mean, so terrible. Bruce. Like, yeah, yeah. Bruce Bolton. Yeah. yeah. Did I say Tywin? Sorry. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and it's also with Theon. Was interesting. Okay, two more things about Theon here. Uh, this the opportunity that Daenerys is su- is suggesting. Is in a way maybe more favorable to him. Like he was with Yara at first, like, yeah, they're independent and they want, you know, it makes sense that they would want to stay independent. But Danny's like, no, you need to rehabilitate your people. That's an opportunity for Theon to do some good. And maybe in his mind, he's like, you know, I can't ever make up for what I've done, but kind of like what Septon Ray and the Brotherhood said to the Hound it's never too late to stop being bad you know stop doing bad things and start doing good things barrick was it Beric or thoros that told him
1: you can do more good than you've i think done bad. yeah There's i think it more, was barrick yeah, yeah more in a future for you to do that's good than all the bad stuff you've done in the past and
0: that's really true and it, it, i think it, it's applying to a few people here uh, and this is perhaps theon is perhaps the, the most uh maybe next to the hound maybe even more than the hound is is, is fits in that category really well yeah, the other thing I wanted to say, I was one thing I was maybe hoping to see, but it was maybe a little too much to fit in this episode. Maybe we'll get it next episode or maybe we'll get it next season, is Theon talking to Tyrion about Sansa. You know, there's not a yeah. whole lot to say there, but it, it could come up you know they certainly have some things to say to each other about that well mostly theonas could tell tyrion what's up and you're like yep she's alive she's out there i helped save her that may even help tyrion come around on theon because you could tell tyrion doesn't really like Theon. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was you know had some things to say he might he's certainly going to be willing to go along with Daenerys' plan he's he understands the importance of politics over personal You know, personal opinions, but this would be something that would help him, you know, maybe not hate Theon so much or at least come to accept him more. And another thing, I just want to talk about some of the cool strategies and shots they did. I love the moment where the slaver is saying, you know, your time is over or whatever. And you could see Drogon in the back just, like, start to flap. You can see him just appear. You see and you're like, Tyrion slightly reacting. to the it And the Tyrion's also, like, man. what is that? I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just get this amazing dragon shot. He just flies in and lands on top of the building. And then we later get these overhead shots of marine with all the buildings and the pyramids and the ships. It's just really, really fantastic looking eye candy out the wazoo the interaction
1: of danny and the dragon was pretty good too you know, yeah. like it, it looked like she was really on its back holding on
0: to its spines or whatever it was uh, better than the ending of last year when she flew off yeah, yeah. it looked more it looked more realistic uh, it didn't look as never-ending story-ish <laughs> it's also another thing too i bet that they
1: edited it out i bet they had more footage it seemed to me like there's one moment where danny's flying overhead and we see at least one of the dragons coming out of the Pit or whatever cavern yeah, they're, that they're being yeah, they're stored in, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and it seemed like it cut kind of suddenly from that to all three of them flying in the air. I wonder if there's more that they did of having them come out and Drogon landing maybe or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. It seems like if they went through all the trouble to CGI that up, they would show it to us. It couldn't have been more than twenty seconds. Does it matter if the episodes? Sixty-two minutes and twenty seconds, uh, but it seemed like a quick edit, so I, I'm suspicious that there might have been some more there.
0: But she has she has shown um, that she seems to have gained a much higher level of control over Drogon. It's it's not clear how that where that control comes from, but it's like he's like um, a dog that knows its master really well, something like that. A couple The way things. he lowers his wing for her yeah. and just lands right next to her, and. Takes the lead. The other, the other dragons breaking free was a little strange. It may, maybe requires a bit of an explanation, but you can sense maybe, like, they sense the presence. They, they know there's a battle happening. There's fire and destruction. They can hear Drogon's scream, and that, like, encourages them. Maybe they can sense Danny's presence, and, and that makes them... fills them with dragon adrenaline, which enables them to break loose. Um, they weren't crucial in that battle at all. They could have... Drogon could have done that by himself. They just, yeah. He torches one ship... The ships get the message that they're helpless. And so she's able to capture the fleet, which is a, a coup.
1: I thought that a couple things came from that. Uh, one, that the dragons getting out could easily have been the result of destruction. You know, like some yeah, catapult the one or down. busted yeah. the wall. Uh, or it even could have been an attempt to get in and try to kill them, especially if they thought they were chained up inside, but they weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> I think one thing it shows how many other dragons there is that they're following Drogon's lead. Yes, Does that makes sense. I agree. And or Daniel's lead. It's like the alpha, the alpha dragon. They follow a right. the pack. Yeah. Uh, a couple of thoughts that went through my mind there uh, were, one is I felt like they should like split up, like they could be <laughs> destroying three times as many. Like they just like, yeah, overkill, burn that ship to nothing till it sinks. It seems like one flyover and one burst of fire. This ship's pretty much done for. Yeah, moves yeah. to the next ship. Get it. But a couple things. One, I realized the other dragons might not necessarily know to do that. They're just gonna do whatever drove them. They were following Lee. So she he goes out to one ship. Them, they go out to the one ship also.
0: Yeah, none of them fired till she gave the command. That's another example True. of how yeah. like
1: they're more tame or more under control at uh, this point. And additionally, probably a super important thing we haven't mentioned yet here. They even said it in the episode. Thanks for the ships.
0: Yep. That's no. why she didn't want to just didn't them want all. to go yeah. burn
1: all of them. Just it's one like, make the point in the battle, and now have these ships. It's Like, look, so. can you
0: stop us from burning all your ships? No. So you better surrender. And they're like, yeah. I mean, they're mostly crewed by slaves anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's like they're just like just like those soldiers ran off when Grey Worm allowed them to. You got to figure a lot of those crews are like, yep, <laughs> that's <laughs> that. <laughs> We've lost. You know, and they're slaves, so it's like switching from one master to another is kind of in their experience already, yeah. even though Daenerys is not going to treat them as slaves. so Also, it was uh, the slave
1: masters were really kind of doing themselves in.
0: I just don't the, get it. Once yeah. power had
1: turned, <laughs> the way they were like the Unsullied, Will be sold back into someone else's ownership. Your your interpreter, sold back da da da, and so then Tyrion's like, hey uh, soldiers over there, <laughs> these guys aren't fighting for you. You sure you want to keep fighting for them? And they were out of there. Like they, it's clear that there was no real loyalty or respect. You know what I mean? So and that's what are a par- they sticking around for? That's a
0: parallel to what John was trying to do. To trying to undermine Ramsay. He knew it wouldn't like get them to turn on Ramsay, but he thought maybe it would undermine their morale yeah. a little bit by doing the same thing. Like he's not fighting for you. He's not willing to you know fight for you do you want to just start talking
1: about john now can <laughs> <laughs> i can't help myself because
0: i do immediately there's the thing i want to say about that that i might
1: forget later ramsey uh, took advantage of his numbers there he was willing to kill his own men yes remember when they sent when the, the skirmish is happening in the middle and davos is like uh don't fire we're just going to kill our own guys ram's like loose yeah, loose he's totally just fire. To he'll man. just kill all of them because uh, he's got more. He had two to one numbers, and he doesn't necessarily care or have any loyalty to these men. And you gotta wonder how much it hurts the next wave. The next time he's like, "All right, next wave, go attack." I'm like, "Hey man, don't fire arrows on us <laughs> like you did the first wave." <laughs> uh, yeah, they did go though. They did go up with quite a bit of uh, discipline.
0: Yep, it was it was brutal. Yeah, he's really just that's ruthless right there, uh, pure and simple. Um, and a lot of people predicted he would do that. Uh, there's certainly real-world parallels to that. Apparently, Edward Longshanks did the same thing. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe I'm thinking of a different Edward. But that's the Edward portrayed in Braveheart. And maybe I'm just remembering what he did in Braveheart, and maybe that didn't happen in real life. I forget. But I'm pretty sure there's plenty of historical precedent for that sort of thing, where as long as the enemy is destroyed, it doesn't matter if you lose some of your own troops. Especially if they're allied troops and not your own household troops. Which is, it's unclear how much of that cavalry was Ramsey's Bolton cavalry and how much of those were allied cavalry or even mercenary cavalry left over from the battle with Stannis absolutely that's possible so yeah it's, it's just that's just not something they made clear so we, we're it's safe to make a few assumptions and guesses there but yeah total ruthlessness not unexpected from Ramsey but honestly I do think that pretty well covers Marine and, and Danny for now other than some things we'll talk about in the trailer discussion uh, we will be returning, very mild spoiler, we will be getting more scenes from Marine next, next week, so that's about as far as I'll go with that. I won't be specific. But, well, I guess there's one last thing to talk about, which is the Dothraki arrival. You know, that was predicted. We weren't sure if they would show up so quickly, if they'd still be lagging behind. But you know they got there in time and now Daenerys has this massive army that
1: she's going to need to feed.
0: Yeah. She's got like a little logist- I wonder we definitely wonder if how much the logistics are going to come into play here. They apparently have enough ships now. You know, that's that was brought up and that's important. So we might be seeing at the end of the next episode the the, the great exodus. They may be they may head towards Westeros at the end of next at end of the last episode. It's one of the things that I think we talked about as a possible last shot for the season, you know, that could be it. Yeah. That could be like the wall coming down or something with the walkers would be pretty chilling way to end the season. But Daenerys's is like Armada heading into the sunset would be pretty cool. Maybe not as the last scene, but one of the final scenes. I'm just going to throw that out there as a guess. No trailer spoilers there. I don't, I'm, I don't have any inside information on that. That's a pure guess. Um, yeah. We were guessing that a few episodes
1: ago. Yeah. Uh, although I would say I'm a little bit less sure of it now than I was before. I, I've, Feel like we got to get something back from Varus first. They got to settle mm. these other cities. Well, it's not impossible, but I yeah, I don't expect it.
0: It's a long uh, episode, cuz you actually yeah. they do have extra time of like sixty nine minutes. So True. maybe yeah. they can fit a little more. That's that's about fifteen extra minutes, roughly, compared to the average episode, which isn't a lot, but it is also a lot. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a depends. lot. You yeah. got, it's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, in 15 yeah. Minutes. considering what they can do in two to three minutes, sometimes yeah, or even thirty seconds, that is potentially a lot. Just we'll just see. Have to wait and see how they use it. So, well yeah, let's, so let's move on. Let's talk about let's talk about the Battle of Ice. Um, the, the meat of this episode. There was plenty of awesomeness in the Battle of Fire, but this was more about the Battle of Ice for sure. I guess we will talk about the pre-battle stuff. A lot of interesting things going on there. The, the parlay they have is particularly interesting, I thought. Um, we get to see little Leanna Mormont scowling at Ramsey. I like that. I like the dialogue between John and Ramsay. Thought it was pretty solid. I like Sansa's, uh, you know, her fortitude there, calling and her shot. Yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah. Die tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> One funny thing that Asha noticed was she rides off before Ramsay says the thing about the, the dogs being starved, and she—it's no big deal to have her be told that by someone else off-screen. Yeah. But it is a little funny to think about. Wait a minute, you weren't there for that line. <laughs> That's that's really nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the bigger bits here are the undertones of Jon's attitude, and, of course, what's going on with Davos and Melisandre, and, and also Sansa, but, you know, we kind of mentioned that already, but we have more to say with that. Um, so, where to start? Let's start with... Let's start with... I like this torment davos interaction. That's a simpler one to talk about. Yeah. They, I, I never... I didn't see this coming, but... Tormund's lines about how similar they're about how dim, different and similar their situations were. They both followed a king that thought he, their king was like the man. The guy that was like the answer. And they were both wrong. <laughs> and you know for different reasons and they had that to bond over. And that was really cool and I totally didn't see that coming and I think about it at all and was like that's, that's pretty neat. Uh, and it was some pretty good dialogue too. I really like Tormund. I'm glad he's still around. I hope he keeps living but, you know, there's, there's perils with getting attached to a character, but, hey, you, you can't help it sometimes.
1: Yeah, through the week, as I was thinking about this episode, I was really scared for Tormund, because I thought he was the character who was most likely to be on the front lines of battle.
0: You yeah, other me? than 1-1, one one, maybe.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Although, 1-1, I mean, obviously I don't want him to die, but he's barely spoken a word. I'm not Snow. as attached to him as I am to... Uh... Yeah. That was pretty good, son. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> But, uh, but he did make it, and uh, John was more on the front line than, uh, than I thought he might be. I thought, I thought whether he wanted to or not, other people would keep him back because it's mm. irresponsible for him to just charge in the front row and just be, get killed immediately. <laughs> they need someone to be a leader, not just for this battle, but for the next battle at the Wall. You know, he mm-hmm. has this bigger destiny, and he can't just kill, even if he kills five guys before he goes down... It's still not worth him going down you know like yeah uh,
0: it's not <laughs> and, and Sansa
1: was so right she's like he, she's like look john you want to ask me for some advice and he's like you're right you're right what should i do she's like whatever you do don't do what he wants you to do he's like what am i supposed to do i don't know what to do i got to attack she's like i'm just saying don't do what he wants you to do don't fall into his trap and he's like There's no traps. I got this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He just falls right into the trap. Yeah,
0: it's like exact thing she warned him about. Like, Rickon's toast, dude. Like, no matter what you can say, no matter what we do, Rickon is dead. She had that. She was right. It was a horrible thing to have to come to grips with, but she was totally right. And... I, we all knew that, I think. In advance. And it's like, tough. Yeah, like, think totally how dumb. many
1: times john has been like, oh, 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 what am I fighting, broomsticks? I've been on the wall. I've seen worse than Ramsay. It sounds like, no, I've seen worse than Ramsay. <laughs> those, those those wildlings, those zombies, they might be dangerous. They might be scary. But they're not cruel. Mm. They're not cruel. you was cruel. Yes.
0: White Walkers cruel. don't torture people. They right. just end you. They're
1: not going to do something tricky. Yeah. They're, they're just going to come at you and attack you. The the wildlings too. Hey, Tormon was baffled at the strategic planning. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's like on the side, so we don't what the flanks. <laughs> okay, that's whatever. Sounds good, guys. I just want to run straight forward and attack. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that's all that that John has faced so far. Just enemies that run straight forward and attack. But Sansa has faced cruel, conniving enemies, yes. and she's trying to warn John that you're gonna you're gonna fall into some trick. You're gonna fall into some trap. Rickon's dead. It's hard to swallow. She didn't want to say it. John didn't want to believe it. But they just can't. Part of this plan can't be save Rickon, you mm-hmm. know?
0: It's just not yeah, that's that's it's not even worth taking into consideration saving Rickon cuz it's just like it's it's fool's gold. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Sure enough, didn't happen. And and I and I kind of get it cuz John's, you know, I kind of get where he's what he's going through in his head, you know, not like I can get it in terms of like, ah, I've been through that <laughs> sort I remember of thing before. my <laughs> younger brother was kidnapped. And yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he's just, and this gets into what we were talking about with John sort of being a little fatalistic here. You know, he just didn't, he wanted to, first of all, when he's brought back, he just wants to run off and be by himself and just, you know, he, he just doesn't, he just wants to escape. You know, he just can't, it's, it's, it's what he's been through is so rough. He's been, his people turned against him. He's experienced death. It's horrible, and he's been, you know, it's subtle, but he's been different this season. You know, he's hes a little, hes he doesn't have any, he never had a lot of passion and energy, but he had his moments where he was, like, you know, intense. And this, the only time it comes up here is when he's arguing with Sansa about how, but he's basically arguing that this is, this is what we have. Like, w- this is what we're faced with, this is what we gotta do, we don't have any other options. And Sansa's like... Yeah, we do. Of course, part of that's her fault for not mm, yeah. telling him about the Vale Knights. But we'll, and we'll get into that in a minute. That's been something that's been going on for several episodes. But still, John is just with the information he has. He's just like, yeah, if we die, we die. He's just very fatalistic. It's almost like he's welcoming the thought of being dead. He doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he's not afraid of it. He almost welcomes it. And you think that
1: maybe John knows something.
0: Mm. John knows nothing, <laughs> and you know that, and that explains to me why, even though he knew that Ramsey was trying to trick him, trying to get him or get a reaction out of him, it still worked because he's he's just he's got a temper, and he's kind of expecting to die, and he's not wor- he's not afraid of it, and he kind of wants the release of death. He hates that he he knows what his life is going to be, even if he wins this battle, which is facing the armies of the undead it's not gonna get better you know it's like well we get rid of ramsey and we still have to face that like ah uh, <laughs> i was happier being dead i just
1: want to take a nap and mel he
0: tells mel Sandra, like he's like don't bring me back like don't bring me back i don't want to come back to this you know and it's just all of that just that undertone of just like he's fine being dead so <laughs> you remind me of another thing i wanted to talk about a little bit Melisandre has a
1: little shift, also.
0: Yes, right. She's different. Yeah, she, uh,
1: she definitely is still committed to the cause, but she's a little bit more reasonable. She's at least making an attempt to offer explanation. She's not just like mystic and, you know, blindly confident. She doesn't she's,
0: love the Lord of Light anymore. She's like, well, he's in charge. We don't yeah, have to love yeah. it. Okay,
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, if he like, I, I if he didn't bring you back, like I, I can't bring you back. He did it. Yeah, like I don't.
0: And if he wants me to bring you back again, I I'll gotta do it. Do it. Like yeah. he's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. She's not like oh the Lord of Light. His will is the good. You know his goodness yeah. and power. Pa- you know it's it's a different much different tone. Yeah. She's she's more pragmatic. She's still a believer. She's still worth. She's you still know? a
1: believer, but yeah, but a little bit more practical about it. So. Yeah.
0: And she's more like resigned to it rather yeah. than like this is the glory of our God. It's like this is God, man. He's he's brutal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I th- I can imagine. She may come around with a little more confidence because one of the last moments we see with her as the the start banner unfolds, she looks on with this sort of like, I don't know quite what to describe it as, maybe satisfaction. I almost want to say pride, but I don't think she's necessarily taking credit for all this, but I think she's like relieved that the vision came true, that she's like, okay, I'm not crazy. It's not on my mind. I didn't make this up. I really did see myself in this
0: moment. That's you know? a good point. This may restore some of her confidence. Yeah. I mean, she still seems to have a good bit of confidence. She had so much in the first place, but now it has been shaken. It isn't one hundred percent anymore. It used to be arguably more than one hundred percent. It was yeah. she. She had room to spare. On she could take a few hits to her faith, and it wouldn't really matter. But now she's taking a lot of hits to her faith, and it's still strong, but it's not you know ironclad anymore. Yeah. It's not Stannis like. Like imagine going.
1: <laughs> imagine she's she's been at this moment
0: with a pending battle before
2: yeah
1: and it didn't pan out so here she is at this moment the pending battle again and she's like well john i don't know man lorelei does what he wants i guess we gotta." but then the battle's over and they won and she's like all right All right. We're back <laughs> yeah. this is it and she's you walking know? the walls in winterfell like yeah. just
0: like i just like she said she would <laughs> Yeah, it's really it's it's going to be interesting. That's I think that's going to be a really important thing for episode ten. I'm very curious what they do with it because I really don't know what they're going to do about it at all. I'm I'm yeah. very I think that there's a lot of things, different different ways they could go with it. So um, her character had kind to of it.
1: been put on the back burner
0: until <laughs> until <laughs> <Back> now. <burner>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine she Good might poem. reemerge Good as poem. a little
1: more key of a leader. You know what I mean? Now, yes,
0: and it's it, what her role will be. Like what kind of a what is her role? you know, going forward. If she's part of this effort to fight the White Walkers, I could see her being valuable in that, but she's going to have to maybe make her case for what her value is, especially if Davos is going to come after her with this Shireen accusation, which we all know she's totally guilty of.
1: She may have more visions. She may have insight to give. She may be accepted as an advisor. Yeah. Similar to how... Some of her visions came true. You're right. She said
0: them in advance, and and they came true, so yeah. In the middle of the
1: battle, Tyrion's like, we should do this, and the, the... The general is like, no, 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 political advisor, I got this battle stuff. In the middle of the battle, Melisandre doesn't even go to the council meeting. When the battle's over, she's like,
0: now, this is what (laughs) we need to do
1: politically. Now
0: Now that we're back on campaign, I got some political advice and some spiritual advice, as it were. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's all going to be, I really, I'm very curious how that's going to go. And... So let's talk about a few other things. Davos, um, another thing with Davos was the, like I was leading up to there, they punned the hell out of us. And we saw this coming. We we predicted this, that that he would find the pyre. There were some trailer spoilers to give that away in advance, which we talked about in our end of, end of uh, after credits trailer discussion in past episodes. We had predicted this, or something close to it. Now, but what they added, a neat little piece of detail, I thought. This was caught by, oh, I don't have it in my notes, one of our... Um, observant watchers pointed out that the horn, that the stag was missing an antler, which is a throwback to episode one where they find the wolves where the stag and the direwolf, the female direwolf, has been killed by an antler in its yeah. neck and the, and the antler is broken off, which I think is a nice little catch. But the, the pun that they made was in the think back to... When John confronts the Watch and they have their showdown, the pr- episode spoilers on IMDb and other places said the Watch stands behind Thorn before the episode. They literally stood behind him. They didn't back him. They <laughs> stood behind him when things went down. They dropped their weapons and stood behind Thorn. They didn't. So it was a pun. They were. It was. It was a little play on words there. And the exact same thing happened this time. And I caught it. Was like. I wish I had caught it ahead of time. I didn't mention it in either of these episodes. I told our one of our Wednesday uh, reviewers, Yoke Boy, about it. I was like, the line is, Davos loses something dear to him. <laughs> dear! Something dear to him. It wasn't written D-E-E-R, but that's What's, the pun. He lost something dear to him. Shireen, the little deer, it's because she's a little deer. Cause, you know, Baratheon stag. Like, oh. <laughs> nah. oh you punsters. <laughs> that was pretty good. So that's going to be something. I mean, I, I talked to our friend Tony Teflon, and he suggested that Davos would see the, uh, bat, see the stag before, the, the little deer sculpture uh, carving before the battle, and he wouldn't have time to do anything about it, and it would fire him up during the battle, and he would have some extra rage. It didn't actually seem to happen. He seemed pretty controlled. He, he was in control, and he seems to be holding his emotions in. He seems to be reserving them. But it's gonna come up. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. But uh, yeah. Uh, so so we thought maybe that would infect him, but it probably did. He was probably still feeling that, but it didn't maybe come up the way I thought it would. I thought it was a good suggestion, though. What are your thoughts on what on Davos's what's his inner turmoil here and his his just that scene? I thought the throughout this episode the music was fantastic, and in that scene moment too, it was really good. Good pairing with his facial acting
1: i can imagine like a lot of times you know this is like a more extreme in this game of thrones world when lives are at stake but in your life my life there have been moments where you you kind of knew something but you weren't really sure you weren't sure enough to act on it you know but then you find out and you're like and now it's like Mm. now you like have to act on it because now you know you know what i mean yeah and uh and like you said, he doesn't necessarily have a moment yet. They're like, they're, it's right on the cusp of this battle. The horn blows um,
0: like it's dawn when yeah, he finds it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so
1: um, <clears throat> you can imagine as he's standing there, John's charging forward, the cavalry's charging forward, arrows are raining down. His, I'm sure his mind is not exactly settled. <laughs> like he's, he's got this focus in front of him of this battle, uh, but in the back of his mind, I'm sure he's also st- steaming over that. In the same way that uh, Melisandre might have been uncertain about this, he- Davos has also been in this position, where they on the cusp of this battle. Uh, and uh, That's an
0: interesting point. Davos is the only guy who's been in the two biggest battles of the entire series, Blackwater and the Battle of the Bastards, right? You yeah. You're the only one. I think so, yeah. That's pretty cool. Tyrion was sort of in the Battle of Fire and the... But he wasn't really he just stood there yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was a witness to it he didn't really do any fighting but he did do some fighting in blackwater so yeah that's kind of cool i never thought about that davos very uh seen the worst <laughs> was on the losing side one time
1: winning side one time that's true too yeah <laughs> so <laughs> two out of three hopefully against the, <laughs> against the
0: zombies yeah yeah we, we definitely want to see that um So let's uh, take another short break. We'll take our mid-episode break and we'll come back and we'll talk about some more things. we got a lot more behind-the-scenes things to mention. We'll talk more about the battle itself, the way it played out, some of the standouts, some of the cool things we learned about the filming, and some of the aftermath as well. Plenty more to go, folks. Be right back. So we have some cool things that we learned from the the behind-the-scenes thing. Again, I highly recommend watching that. The shot where John has the Bolton horses charging right at him, where he kind of realizes he's, his horse is shot out from under him, he kind of realizes his, that he's, his temper, his anger has gotten him killed, he doesn't end up being killed as as we all know well, but he kind of realizes that he's kind of resigned to it, he stands up, he looks, and good facial acting in general from him in several spots, because you kind of... There's not a lot of room for dialogue in battles when you're standing there on a horse by yourself and there's no one to talk to. Like, not, what is he going to do? Get all Tom Hanks and talk to his volleyball? You know? <laughs> there's, not, there's not much room for that. So it has to be strong facial acting. Davos, great facial acting. Tormund. Just even random Like, all of them. Just really strong, yeah. strong facial acting. And John's a couple of different ones really struck me. That one where he's resigned to his fate... And where he's standing there, he pulls his sword. He dro- I thought taking his belt off was really cool. I thought it was Sheep really subtle. He's like, yeah. <laughs> this is it. You know, he's really resigned to it. He's. It speaks to how ready he is to die. And he he says his life sucks. <laughs> you know, he hates it. He's like, I have. It's like he's driven by duty and revenge in some ways and anger, but he doesn't have any joy. Any, hardly any love in his life at all, and he just saw his brother get killed. It's just worse. I mean, it's just things are just getting worse. And he doesn't expect, his, he doesn't expect to win. He doesn't expect his battle to go well. He's just like, yeah, well, what was I expecting to happen? You know, I'm gonna die, and that's... So here's the thing. Real quick. The shot where he's holding his sword out, and the horses are coming at him. The, that was real. That is not CGI. There were actually 40 horses charging at Kit Harrington. Real horses. And in the behind-the-scenes, kids like I- I'm a little annoyed because people are gonna think that's CGI. That was real. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that was really so good acting there because he could he didn't look scared. He looked ready for it. I mean, even though you just see him from behind, he didn't have that like, holy crap, these horses are. Tra- that's visceral. I mean, you got like reality, like because the- those actors could screw up. Someone could make a mistake. Someone could run him over. Like he could really get trampled. So like, that's. Almost makes the acting easier because he's going to be legitimately scared. It was an awesome <laughs> shot too, like cinematically. There were a lot of awesome shots.
1: So. Yeah, I really think for uh, I want to give him a lot of credit because I was I was borderline dreading this episode because uh, there have been a couple things this season already. I felt myself kind of rolling my eyes at having a hard time believing. And action stuff is usually pretty bad. They did a pretty good job with the Tower of Joy scene. Uh, you know, they've done a lot of good things. But I just thought this whole big extended action battle, like, ah, I want character drama. I don't care about action. <laughs> action is usually done poorly, and this is going to be a big one. And I was impressed. It was really good. I have minimal complaints, and, uh, and I was on the edge of my seat, and it was visually stunning and impressive. And I have all kinds of positive accolades I want to give to it. Uh, my biggest complaint would probably be that I feel like John only lives through this battle through luck. You know what I mean? Like, despite however much skill he has and determination, maybe destiny is the real reason. You know what I mean? But just sure. arrows raining
0: down. Sandra might like, actually point that out. They may use yeah. this to be like, "Look, you shouldn't have survived that battle, but you did." Lord yeah. of Light, blah blah blah. Whether true or not, she could seize on that. That's kind of <clears> interesting. Yeah. I never I didn't think about that. It's a good point. They could play. They could use. They could use that luck, which is which it was. He was lucky. Even the showrunners admit it's like, yeah, part of the, the yeah. main reason John survived is he was lucky. That's fair, like he was. There's not some some special
1: skill that keeps the arrows from not raining down on you. you Yeah. So (laughs) uh, maybe he had a certain amount of skill with this sword and his peripheral vision and choosing the best opponent to go after and positioning himself and having developed endurance and everything else. You know, we've seen him, I, I think... In a lot of ways, I think Game of Thrones is just like the ultimate D&D adventure, and he's just <laughs> leveled up a bunch of times, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, But still, arrows raining through the sky are just going to kill you if they hit you, and you, you saw several people just kind of randomly get killed in front of him. He starts to talk to a guy, and it's right horse smashes It's yeah. all over the place. He just as easily could have randomly been cut down. That would have been a lot less... Uh, Interesting. <laughs> like, Whoa, a John's huh, uh, How about that? <laughs> but it's still, it was very uh, Saving Private Ryan ish the way we're kind of like put so right in the intense. midst of this. And yeah. it's really dark and gritty and scary and violent. And it's not often as pointed out, it's not like this beautiful heroic thing. You know what it's I mean? Like Dirty and bloody. John, right. John doesn't come out of this being like, I'm such a badass swordsman. John comes out of this like, I'm lucky I didn't get killed. Like, you know. Yeah, and, so, and, he's,
0: and he's like savagely beating ramsey because he's just like the director told him you've lost your humanity at this point you're just you just want to kill this guy you're not a you're a beast at this point you know it's like yeah that came off (laughs) it came out that way
1: (laughs) another thing they pointed out when i was when i watched that scene and he's just wailing into ramsey's face in my mind he's like gone berserk or whatever beating this guy and he and then suddenly he like catches sansa in the corner of his eye and I felt like that maybe he was like embarrassed for having lost control or how brutal he is in front of all these other men that he should be more, uh, what's the word, civilized, if yeah. you will. Like, uh, <clears throat> uh, and he kind of straightens himself up and stands off off of him. But in the show they point out that John's realization maybe is more that this isn't my kill. This is her this kill. This is Sansa's yes. kill. Yes. I can't be the one to kill him. Yeah, kill him. I, I'm Sansa. glad.
0: I predicted that. I didn't predict that John would yield the kill to Sansa, but I predicted that Sansa would get to pass the sentence and swing the sword, so to speak. So that's cool. Glad to glad to be right every once in a while, um, but yeah, that was really powerful. And he and it comes just after Ramsay has killed one one too, and one one has this heroic. It's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a throwback to Hodor, just in a, just in a slight sense like this open the door. Heroic, yeah, open the door instead of close the door exactly, and he dies because of it. He dies just after succeeding in that goal basically, and that was another prediction that. I, we can't claim much credit for predicting the one ones death. Like, everyone was predicting that, and we were all right.
1: And he would be the, <laughs> the number one target on the battlefield. Yeah,
0: and, and the the budget of keeping him around, yeah. too. It's just expensive to film the giant. And they've got, they've got so many more, like, White Walker dragon scenes coming up with or without each other, just both of those things, maybe on the screen or something. No ghosts, unfortunately. That was one thing people asked. Ghost wasn't in this episode. And, you know, I, I'm okay with John leaving Ghost behind because, I mean, it's... He could have maybe helped, but, like, he would have just gotten killed. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I'm So I'm glad he didn't participate. He would have charged with John. He's not going to, like, I'll wait back here for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's not how wolves and dogs work. But also, that's a CGI issue, like, money. They already spent a, an insane amount of yeah. money on this, like, the wolves. At least, that's the good side. The fact that Ghost wasn't in the battle means he's still alive.
1: That is uh, another thing I'll point out, by the way, just thinking about the the production of that scene think about some of those shots of like the horse riding you know like the, a camera on john is that horse is riding yeah that's not easy to film that's not amateur stuff you know mm. what i mean there's all kinds of uh, equipment and personnel yeah, making like a, those shots happen that's, they had this uh, big
0: jeep thing with like a long arm sticking off of it and i'm sure they had some drones for the overhead shots and because the, they had all those shots of the battle of the like the armies laid out beforehand and, yeah, just really, really amazing. The behind, Yeah, just the behind the scenes, was, I keep saying it, but it's just really incredible seeing all the work that went into it. Think of the effort that had to
1: be put into just making all those shields. Yeah, you know I mean? all like, those
0: Bolton shields. Yeah, just, like, yeah. over and over. And the, all the, the, the pile of bodies. They talked about how much work went into that. They had to, like, yeah. put shields and, and banners and armor on all these fake bodies. You know, obviously those weren't real people lying <laughs> in a heap. Oh, they weren't? <laughs> oh, that kind of spoils the whole realism for me now. And the... Uh, some other things that are interesting about here just random thoughts about the battle a big question on the minds of so many people since before the season because we saw shots of this before the season who was on those burning crosses well it didn't turn out to be anybody yeah, just it didn't matter it was just random people. people yeah random mm-hmm. people so oh well it didn't matter it didn't turn out to matter maybe they maybe osha's corpse was on there somewhere we thought we were people were worried it would be ramsey or it would be rickon but how can you it say didn't that? matter because rickon's He's, dead
1: burning lives matter <laughs> giant lives matter (laughs) so the budget shouldn't be a factor
0: (laughs) (laughs) so let's see what else do we have i really liked um john's facial expression when rickon dies it's not rage it's resignment it's he just looks kind of like it's he looks kind of dead like, he's, he's he's he just has this dead look in his, like, cold, dead look in his eye. Like, that is it. I'm... All my humanity is gone now. I'm going to charge you and die <laughs> in the process. So... Um... Oops. Yeah, so that's, uh... W- what are some other moments? We're, we're kind of just picking out random things that we liked. And, uh... A, uh... Uh, I, as someone we already talked about,
1: I definitely like the uh, the idea of uh, that scene when Melisandre's kind of looking on with sort of satisfaction. Davos yeah. is looking on with frustration, you know, once when they had the castle there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I thought it was... Uh... I thought it wasn't... I thought Ramsey got off easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I want to say. I think he got off easy. Uh, uh, this, this might be a... Another thing that's that we've talked about before, I feel like we got another little hint there, when Ramsay tells Sansa, "I'm part of you now." Hmm. I wonder if that's a hint to the idea that she's pregnant. Uh, I don't know what the timing is. We know Sansa and Theon were together at a certain point, mm-hmm. and since then Theon has gotten all the way over to Marine.
0: Yeah, right? he went, he, with so with the Kings mood in between, You went to all the way to Iron Islands and all the way to yeah, Marine. I'm very dubious of the pregnancy idea. I can't I can't eliminate it because of the timeline, but the show is. Does not, yeah. isn't strong on timelines. Like right, it, it they go play with yeah. time,
1: and even if it has been weeks or months, Sansa's kind of garbed up in all this form-disguising gear. Yeah. You know? And if she can not tell John about Littlefinger's army, she can also not tell anyone about her pregnancy. You can imagine how she might be embarrassed or ashamed or uncertain about what to do yeah. as far as that goes. That's true. Um, and in the past, I kind of wrote that off because I thought they didn't really have time to deal with it. But... Uh, I believe they're going to have two more seasons. Two right? more seasons. So yeah. maybe that is enough time to deal with it. Uh, it's possible.
0: It is. It's possible. I, uh, um, I. Yeah. We'll just have. We'll have to see. Maybe there'll be a clue next episode or something along those lines. Only so much more time can pass before the window on that closes, if it hasn't already. I kind of feel like it should have been closed already, but given the way they play with time, I would. It, it seems silly to to look at the way they play with time and to say yes, too much time has passed. Yeah. You know. So yeah, you can't take it. Like Gilly's baby is the most obvious. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It'd be like, wait, <laughs> this this kid has been a kid for like four seasons. I mean, what do you <laughs> what do you mean? This too much time has passed. <laughs> yeah. You know, so and that would be interesting, and this is also a good segue to talk about Sansa. First of all, why doesn't she reveal that the Vale Knights are coming? There's a couple of reasons I think, and these are all. It's not like, okay, we all agree she should have probably like should have told him. I mean, as far as like being. You know, having all the information we do, and wanting the Starks to get along the way they do, she should, quote-unquote, should have said something. But, it doesn't, what she should have done ignores what's going on in her head, and the person she is, and what she's been through. And look at who she, look at who she's, what her life experience has been. Her honorable noble father does the right thing, gets killed. Sure, it's partly her fault for spilling the beans to Cersei, but Ned's plan was dumb in the first place. I mean, it was honorable, it was noble, but it was doomed to fail. We all know that, especially in retrospect, knowing Cersei. Then she's, you know, she, she gets out of the clutches of Joffrey, a horrible person. She learns from Cersei. Cersei's trying to teach her how to be, how to be a queen, like teaching her to basically to be ruthless. Then she goes to R- R- Littlefinger and Ramsay, and it's just, she sees Roose Bolton. She sees Ramsay Bolton. She's tortured by Ramsay, and then she sees Littlefinger playing his game still, you know, with, with the veil and everything. This is the world she's exposed to. How is she supposed to... And she never interacted with John a lot as a kid. They didn't know each other that well. That was made clear when they were reunited, that they didn't even know each other that well. How is she supposed to... So it's, it makes sense from a human point of view that she would have major, major trust issues. Plus, it, we should not assume that Sansa's just this, you know, because she's, you know, a, a young... L- Coming out of naivete, girl, who's good looking, we shouldn't assume she's just 100% good and pure. She might have some darker motives, and if she does, well, look, again, look who she's been around. Look who her influences are. This is the world she's been exposed to. You can't blame her for being, you know, a little... having lack of trust and not being able to, even with her own
1: family, so... It's worth noting, John doesn't exactly trust her either. Totally right? good point. They had this battle plan, and, and, and no one asked her anything. And after the fact, she's like, hey, you know, I might know something here. And he's like, okay, what do you think? Yeah. And- You're a dumb girl. You don't know how to... We're just attacking. I don't have... I don't care what you say. You know, like, he's yeah. not exactly, like, trusting her either. It's a good point. Uh, not that he necessarily should either. What think about John's life experience? It's not like he's had all these strong female leaders yeah. uh,
0: showing him the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, she, mean, like, and Sansa admits that she doesn't know much about battles, and this isn't yeah. battle. He's like, "Look, this is my area of expertise," but but she's arguing, "Yeah, but there's psychology involved here, and that's where I have insight." And you know, they yeah. they both had a point. She, he should have yeah. listened to her more, and she should have told him about the Veil vale knights. Here's
1: <laughs> here's another reason maybe she wouldn't tell him is that she doesn't really know. She sent a letter to Littlefinger. Did he get the letter? Did he respond back? Are they going to be here tomorrow in three weeks? Can't come after all? She doesn't really know. Say yeah. if she tells John, oh, by the way, the veil's coming. How do you know? I sent a letter. To who? When did you send the letter? <laughs> did you get message back? Yeah. When are they going to be here? Like, mm-hmm. It's not like that's the magic answer. You know what I mean? She doesn't know if or when they're coming, you know. Yeah, it's uh, a good point. Like, if if she knew they were going to be there today at three o'clock, well, then she should. How could she possibly know that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, uh, even if John believed her, and they had a window of when he might be there, I believe you. Littlefinger's coming with the force that matters, and we'll be here within a week. Okay, now what do we do? Just sit around and wait for a week? Just because Sansa said Cause maybe Littlefinger's little little coming? Up. Who's yeah. this Littlefinger guy? Isn't he someone we shouldn't trust? You know what I mean? It's not like. I do feel like he, she should have told, but it's not like that's just this magic answer that solves everything. Yeah, you know? I agree. Now, I, I want to point something out, by the way. There's, I thought there was a, I saw a lot of parallels to uh, the Lord of the Rings, to the Return of the King. You remember in Return of the King, Aragorn has got all the armies amassed to fight the monsters, right? And they're worried they're not going to be able to do it. And so he decides he's going to go off and get this undead army to help. Now he's the king and they've kind of built him up to be like not living up to his potential. Like you're just this hunter in the woods. You should be the king that leads everyone. You know what I mean? And here's this moment, all the armies are amassed he leaves in the middle of the night, doesn't tell anyone where he's going. <laughs> and they even bother all the other leaders have a meeting. And they're like, where'd the king go? do? What was he thinking? <laughs> that meeting could have been Aragorn giving instruction. Hey, make sure the archers are on the left. Get the horses fed. Don't, don't charge till the, the sun's in the rise and all this stuff. But instead, he just leaves and doesn't tell anyone. Then, after who knows how many people have been killed in battle, he shows up with this army that just...
0: Sweeps through just like slaughters you know, everyone. What was
1: a term Tormon used?
0: Uh, pissing through into snow. Yeah, piss through snow, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if
1: and if and if Aragorn had just told everyone, like, wait till the last minute to attack, I'm gonna have this army, cha-da-da-da, then so many lives would have been saved. And yep. so instead of him they had this chance to show him be a good leader, and said he's specifically a bad leader, and hordes of people are killed because of his poor communication. And I feel like the same thing was happening here. Like, Sansa, they have this they have this trump card to play, but they don't know what's coming. Huge numbers of people die, and then here comes the cavalry and just easily wins the battle. Mm-hmm. And, like, you feel like 1-1 didn't have to die. All those men just <laughs> didn't have to die if, yeah. if they just could have communicated better. But... As I said, I understand reasons why she wouldn't communicate. She, on some level, might not trust John. She might not know if the help is really coming. Even if they do, they don't know when it's coming or how much they can count on it. Um, But it was still, it is, on a certain level, kind of frustrating. You kind of feel like you kind of want to blame John for charging for it. Right, you feel like as much as Sansa should have told John about Littlefinger's army, John should not have charged forward to save Rickon. Especially because he was warned about it. Exactly. About exact Sansa thing. specifically. Yeah. What's another thing Sansa should have done? Yeah. Warned John what Ramsey's like. She yep. did, and he just specifically did not do. You understand why he didn't do it though? Because it's his brother. Mm-hmm. You you understand the reason why? So you, can you understand, understand why
0: he was overwhelmed? Like it's it's yeah. like if he was cool and calm and collected he wouldn't do it but you understand why he did it because how can you be cool, calm and collected when your brother's <laughs> yeah. being killed right in front of you and you, you, when you kind of expect to die anyway yeah. and
1: and it's part of why I want to give Ramsey credit for being intelligent and even a good leader this is a
0: very well coordinated battle that he had you know yeah. what I mean like, it, just, uh, it, did, it fell apart because of an entirely unexpected element that he maybe could have seen coming but probably yeah. you know it's, you, can, you shouldn't say he should have seen it coming you know There's even other little subtle things about it. Like at the
1: point, once John has run forward, once he's charged forward on horse, try to get to Rickon. Yeah. And gets there and Rickon's dead. At that point, he almost, especially once Ramsay orders the archers to fire. One, Ramsay knows... He's within range. Yeah. He knows the archers can reach that far. He's got John right where he wants him. You know what it's I mean? It's
0: funny that John he didn't expect John to charge forward. Like, it, you well, know, they shot, it, they shot it where he was, and instead of going backwards, he comes forward. So it's like the arrows went behind him. Yeah, and I almost like, Wait. think that Ramsey maybe
1: could or should have thought that he would charge forward. Because I think it was correct for John to do that. Yeah. Because once he's in a range of those arrows, trying to turn around and come back... He's more likely to get hit than if he just charges forward. Yeah. Now he charges forward and he's just totally on his own now, but at least he can like time the next battle, or the troops can come forward from behind, or all the other stuff that pretty much did happen, can happen. Yeah. He's still in a terrible situation. He should have just stayed back. Because again, that was even specifically part of their plan. John knew big trenches on the side so they can't flank us. Well, they charge forward and now they can be flanked and they get flanked and they're just ruined because of it. And it was, yeah, uh, surrounded
0: the double envelopment. They said they were aiming to, to talk about, to do what was done at the battle of Cannae, which was when Hannibal encircled the Roman force. The big difference there was it was a smaller force encircling a larger force. In fact, they alluded to that with Davos saying, if we let him charge our center and buckle on purpose, then we can surround him. That's exactly what Hannibal did at the Battle of Cannae. He just, le- he led the center to keep his the morale up because he could not have the center collapsed completely. And then he, you know, he knew the the Romans the way they are and they just forward, forward, and they, you know, superior numbers and envelop them. So this that's the difference here is that it was a superior army, superior force enveloping a smaller one, which is normally how it's done. They study Hannibal's envelopment at West Point still because it was so amazing. But it's cool that they kind of made some nods to it and then flat out mentioned it in the behind the episode discussion uh and it was very similar like the descriptions from historians of the roman period described how it was just like this incredibly dark and just you know violent scenario where these men are too they're packed in so tightly that they can't swing their swords and it's just like hacking people to death, like killing these people because they're surrounded. They can't run away. Normally in ancient battles like that, one side breaks and runs and people are killed running away, but quite a few, you know, we have 10,000 on 10,000 and a lot of times you don't even have 3,000 total die on both sides because one side starts losing and they all run away and, you know, some cavalry will catch the fleeing infantry, but the fleeing infantry are usually going to escape the pursuing infantry, etc, etc. There's... They get back to their castle. Whatever. There's all these reasons why most of the army will get away. Generally, in ancient battles, the the whole army isn't destroyed. It's usually just a small part of it. So this is very different, and it's been talked about like this. These crazy numbers out there on like the number of people dying per second at Canine. it would be the same kind of thing. It'd be like people just dying all day long, hacking them down. Just they, their arms are pushed together, and so they were trying to capture that. Really, just powerfully overwhelming thing that can happen in a real battle where people are just so tight together and pressed up against each other and you can hardly even swing your sword and they they show that with the fight between lord umber and Torment, where they're just like, yeah, like they can't even like hardly pull their swords other, yeah. out yeah like they're just so tightly packed it's just like brutal and and just it's it's really strong it was really powerful just like when John is being trampled on, maybe it's a little unrealistic that he was actually able to stand up. Maybe it's unrealistic that he survived. But the music and just the way it was shot and his gasping for breath, it's really powerful. Like, I really liked it. Yeah, that was a great thing to try to bring to life, the the desperation of hand-to-hand combat. And the when it's...
1: gruesomeness and, and the dead bodies all around. That's like yeah. a legit thing. And like all the people being killed don't just evaporate they're laying on the ground in front of you and behind you and all around you and it's
0: uh i think maybe they made the wall a little above bodies maybe a little unrealistically high but maybe not i mean there's accounts of things like that in the civil war and some ancient battles where the bodies piles of bodies are just literally that big and they become either an obstacle or a benefit to like if they're piled in front of a ground on
1: yeah which is what would happen especially when there's also horses there start to be a couple of horses and bodies over top of them, and there's people coming in either direction, getting up on top to attack down as an advantage. And then once you do that, there's another dead body. <laughs> you know, and it keeps, and eventually that guy who's on top gets hacked down or shot by an arrow, and it just gets taller and taller and becomes an actual barrier that you can have as part of your. Condensing
0: wall it's around. It's like a it. meat grinder. I mean, like you said earlier, Ramsey just keeps firing arrows into it. <laughs> They're yeah. just like yeah. hitting friend and foe alike and horses and everything, and it's just, whoa, just incredible. So, yeah, really visceral. Really, you know, if you're not the kind of person that responds to action and music, then I can understand why maybe you didn't like the episode a lot. But I particularly respond to music and action, I can go either way on action personally, but when it's this, when they put this much effort into it and you can tell you know, the, the scenes where John is standing without a horse, and there's this horses flying past him. Those were real horses, too. That wasn't CGI. They planned for these horses. Like, there was obviously CGI enhanced. But... Most well, yeah, of so
1: that was, like, stuff in the background, though. They were... Yeah. They had, like, a hundred or whatever horses and soldiers and knights, and they just... And that's all, like, kind of in the forefront of the screen. In the background, they had, you know, 800 more or whatever. But, yeah. But the when you see john with a sword and a horse and a guy that was all real uh obviously it was choreographed that they, they the i guess i don't know the stunt coordinator or the battle coordinator whatever that guy's role was he said something like we want you as an audience to feel like this is a dangerous situation where you could die at any moment anything can happen but the guy said as we film it we don't want anything to happen we don't <laughs> want a dangerous situation yeah uh, if they you know they had trainers and people that the horses Stuntman. were on they routes they had it coordinated right where john was supposed to stand where the horses were supposed to run and everything but it was a lot of horses are big i don't know if you've ever been on a horse <laughs> yeah I have. they're taller than you falling off a horse is dangerous yeah, like people break superman necks. yeah like Literal literally superman. it's dangerous they're it's really big and tall and high and they move fast and are strong and they're heavy and uh
0: there's were some really well-trained horses, and they had horses that were trained to fall down and flip on their backs and roll around and act all like, like circus horse. I mean, this is this is really, really hard. Oh, I, I just can't say enough about how amazing it is to see the animals, like, used in that regard so well and so effectively, so believably. Um, and just, like, the way they are, like, the lances splintering and people just flying out of the saddle i mean i'm just going on and on about it but yeah i just i just thought it was so cool (laughs) all right so i'm going to talk about uh a next step thing here
1: okay little finger rides in saves the day
0: you know this smarmy looking face
1: yeah (laughs) they've got winterfell they defeated ramsay ostensibly the next move is to like go fight zombies at the wall. Yeah. I don't know if everyone immediately goes to the wall and just waits for the zombies to come or if they want to make some offensive.
0: Big open question, Uh,
1: yeah. But in the meantime, what's Ramsey doing? Is he like... Ramsey? Sorry, not Ramsey. Littlefinger. Ramsey's dead. Yeah. (laughs) Littlefinger. uh, What's Littlefinger doing? Is Littlefinger just going to like, okay, uh... Going back home now, or hey, I'm gonna check up in King's Landing. Well, he he, he asked gonna... Cersei
0: to be made Morden of the North if he beats the Boltons, and now he's beating the Boltons, so I think he's gonna try to marry Sansa.
1: Well, is Cersei gonna do that? Sansa's supposed to be Cersei's prisoner. Yeah, and Cersei
0: isn't in power anymore, so it's yeah. like, who is you know, is Tommen gonna allow this? Is to be is, is Tommen gonna like carry for Cersei's orders or yeah, I, yeah, no idea. Yeah, it's an open question. It's a good question. How to ask. is
1: John going to perceive? How is John going to receive Littlefinger? Is John going to think of him mm. as the hero that just saved the day? Does he have a reason to think otherwise? Is Sansa going to have to tell John, no, you don't understand? Don't trust him. That's why I didn't tell you. You know, I wonder yeah. if Sansa will be on Littlefinger's side. That's how a much good question. What does Davos know about him? John's interaction with Littlefinger. Does. That's a very good question. Yeah. I really don't know. It's something
0: we've never got before. No, right? we have not. Yes, and, and maybe, and it's like you said, I think you said it before, maybe he knows the truth about John's parentage. It's possible, um, and that could be something he, he spills the beans on to, in order to make an adva- get an advantage of some kind. He doesn't necessarily know. It just would be believable if he did. And, yeah, I think, his, I think we can understand his, the basic outline of his plan. How he's going to get from point A to point B or to point C, that's a little harder to si- figure. But I think he wants Winterfell. He wants Sansa. He wants the North. He wants to be, you know, recognized as a noble blood or whatever. I think he's in great position. I feel like he still has an angle to be on everyone's
1: side. Yeah. Like, I think he can justify... I kind of question, like, the idea of him trying to marry Sansa. Cersei might be like, wait a minute. How do you know where Sansa is? Bring her to me. <laughs> That's what, you know... But, A, I think he still might be able to spin it. He's like, look, I did X, Y, Z. You know, I think he could still, like, sell himself. He Play dumb and lie about where he was or when things happened and still be in with Cersei. But also, it might not even matter if he's in with Cersei. She doesn't really have power anymore. It seems like he could or should still be aligned with Elena. They don't think he's done anything to specifically betray her. And they both maybe have something to gain from each other. In
0: fact, he promised her a, a young, you know, a handsome young man. And that's, remember when they had their conversation back in his ruined brothel? And he's like, I've got a present for you. It's like... Who is that? We still don't know who that is. And that was from last season.
1: I thought that was resolved. I thought it was, uh, it was, uh... Oh,
0: you're right. It was, it was Olivar. Olivar. Well, yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. that's what people think it was. And it probably was Olivar. And that was what allowed, you know, this, this whole thing to go down. But that worked against Olena. You know, like that was Olivar accusing Loras, you know... It
1: ended up working against her.
0: Yeah. But, um... So there's been a theory for a while that maybe Littlefinger has Gendry stashed somewhere. You know, and I, you know, given what we said before about characters being gone for a long time and coming back, I don't know if I want Gendry to come back because he'll just die. But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's all this talk about what if Tommen dies? Who is going to be king? You know, and there's no, there is no easy answer to that. You know, that's the question we get every once in a while. Like, what's the line of succession right now? My answer is always civil war because there's no clear answer. Whenever there's no clear answer to who the king should be, it comes down to fighting. <laughs> yeah. And right now, Westeros is just shredding itself. It's, you know, I don't think this one person's going to come along and be like, I am the new king. Well, we might have one person come along and be I am the new queen. Yeah. That I could see happening with Daenerys, obviously. But as far as someone to be Tommen's heir, I got you know, nothing. So Gendry, I mean, he is uh, Baratheon-blooded. Here is a thought I started
1: to develop on what might happen uh, if Tommen got killed and or it was revealed that he was... a. Uh not legitimate, right? Yeah, Is that the Sparrow may effectively seize control at that moment. He's got a lot of control right now. As long as he's got Tom under his thumb, he's effectively in control. Yeah. So, but if that, I think he's forward-thinking enough to have a backup plan, he's kind of played up this idea that the crown and the faith are the twin pillars and da-da-da. Yeah. And if in the (laughs) past the faith was kind of put to the wayside and the crown got to rule... Well, maybe in this moment of despair, the crown could be put to the side and the sparrow can run things. You just imagine he could sell that to the people. He can like, say until
0: such time as we, you know, a new, you know, and we're going and he'll just yeah. like let that time be long, you know, yeah. just until you know, he can find a way to pick
1: who he wants or someone else. And rule through clear that person. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like he's got things the way he wants it now. But it seems like even if things fell out of control a little bit, he's still in a better position of power than pretty much anyone else. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Well, let's talk a little more about Sansa, and then, because we we can say a few more things about the Sparrow and what may be coming based on a few things we've seen in the trailers, and of course, we don't want to spoil anyone on that. So let's talk a little more about Sansa and wrap up our regular episode discussion. We'll give you a chance, in case you had some more points to make, Sean, but about Sansa, let's talk about the final final scene there. Um, She gets to do the killing blow indirectly by ordering... I assume that she ordered him put into the cage there, because... The show first of all, the showrunners say Ramsey doesn't realize it's truly over for him until he wakes up in that room. Which which and Santa asks, where is he? And you know, he's like, it's clear that he's just realized he's there. He hasn't been there for a while. Yeah. So I think it seems I'm pretty sure that Santa ordered him put there. And then, you know, just watches, gets to watch what happens. And it's sort of it's a really it's a perversion in a sense of Northern justice. She's passing the sentence. She's not literally swinging the sword, although she's delivering the blow indirectly. And she looked into his eyes and heard his last words. But she's also vindictive about it and, you know, makes him suffer and smiles a little bit as she's walking away, which is hints at what we were talking about before. We cannot just assume that Sansa is this, you know, you know, upstanding princess type character. She's a real person, you know, as much as she, a character on TV can be. And she's got, considering who her influences are, She's gonna Man. have some. She's gonna have a little conniving in her too. Some cunning. and Some, some revenge.
1: An, I think even for an upstanding princess, Ramsey still got off easy. <laughs> I <still> think <laughs> that for an upstanding princess, more suffering still would have been understandable or justified or deserved yeah. or whatever. It's not uh, the
0: stark way, but it's understandable. Like yeah. after what he lived through.
1: Uh, I want to point out also a couple potential. Or she little, lived through <laughs> uh, bits of. Irony or questions I had, she because she tells him, "Your house will fade." What is is the
0: word? Your house will disappear. Your words will disappear. disappear. Your house will be forgotten, or your house will end. Yeah, yeah, you'll be forgotten, etc.
1: But I think she even said something like, "Your memory will be forgotten," or something like that. Which yeah, I I I question.
0: I think Sansa's
1: wrong about at least some aspects of that. Even if she's not pregnant with his child, he'll be the one to finish off the giants. Mm. You know like that's uh, there are many he things that he'll go general. down in history mm. for, you know mm. like he as much as she wants to erase all memory of his existence, I don't think it's going to happen. I think mm. that the Bolton's mark has
0: been has been made yeah maybe yeah. Theon won't forget either that's <laughs> true yeah and but the episode credits or rather the episode intro will change there will the Bolton flag will no longer be seen on winterfall that mm. blasphemous <laughs> image that it is we get to see the stark banner restored. <clears throat> We didn't actually see the Bolton banners burning yet. Maybe we'll get to see that next episode. <laughs> so what, else, what other thoughts do you have before we move on to our trailer discussion? Anything else? Uh,
1: there's not another particular thing I can think of right now.
0: I'm sure I'll think of it as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, well, folks, thank you for tuning in. If you are wanting to stay away from the trailer spoilers... Then this is a good time for you to sign up, or at least you could wait till after our fun episode credits. Oh, Sean thought of
1: something. I did remember. I wonder if John and/or Sansa or someone will ask Melisandre to bring Rickon back. <laughs> That's <laughs> at least a possibility, right? Like... Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's possible. <laughs> yeah, like maybe John wouldn't wish that on somebody. Like, no, you don't want to go through coming back. <laughs> it sucks, especially coming back to this. Now he would, he would have to entertain the
1: idea. <laughs> it, and I, I say it mostly as a joke, but on a certain level. He is the most best heir to, to Like Sansa said to it to herself. Cows. People yeah. would accept it more than yeah. they would
0: accept her or, or John himself.
1: Which does bring up another point that Bran is still out there. And if he, I don't know if he even theoretically could or would want to be the heir. I don't know if his destiny is to get tied up in some tree roots. Regardless you
0: know, of Bran, it causes a problem. Even if Bran is the heir, what comes after him? Because he can't have children. So you still have a problem with Bran? Is as, as you yeah. still have to have a new, an heir after Bran, even if Bran is the, the heir, is the new Lord of Winterfell, because he can't breed. So
1: it's it, possible that these ancient families that Olenna pointed out they might just be done. It's probably, if Tom and dies, yeah, then that's the end of the Lannisters, the Starks, the Tyrells. Potentially, mm-hmm. you know, that's the direction things are going.
0: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so let's do our credits, and then if you so if, if you don't want to be spoiled. We'll see you next time for the final episode. We'll have a lot of fun with that. If you are a book reader and you're watching this, check us out on Thursday. Of course, we always do our Wednesday episodes, but we're doing a QA and a as well on Thursday, a live Q&A with the Radio Westeros team. So check that out. We've got a Google event page up for it. You can ask questions and we will answer them. And so if that's the case and you don't want to be trailer spoiled, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thanks to our... History of Westeros Bards, those who make the music for our episode, that is Joey Townsend and Jesse Koval. Thanks a lot, guys. I'm a big fan of music in general, and I think music adds a lot to any form of entertainment. This this episode in Crit was... Music was really good. I'll say that again. I've already said it once or twice. Music really pisses me off. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks to our Patreon supporters. First Lord Cash Craig is hand to the King, Lord of Minds, Lord of Makers, and the Black Pupil. Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog is Warden of the West. Lord George Stormsville the Cunning is Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Lord John Reed of Castle Woodbridge is the Lord Borealis, the Light of the North, and Warden of the North. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, Warden of the South. We have Lord James Inkblade, the Scholar Knight, Master of Whisperers, and Grand Maester Soria of the Barrows as Cinder of the Citadel. We have Lord Robert Jacobs, the Master of Coin. We have Rosie the Clever, Master of Laws. Lord James Tuttle, Master of Ships. We also have Lady Dyrla of Castle Nocky, the Alpha Patron. Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bell is Breaker of the Second Stone. Lord Skip of the Velt is ca- Lord of Castle Ganges. Kabethe Unfrozen is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light. Mary Meg is Lady of the Bloody Stepstones. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Bread Fort. Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood is Lady of the Desert Rose. Geoffrey the Unflinching is Lord of Sand Lake. Lord Grey Bay of the Queen City. We also have Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate, guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Lord Garen de Havilland of Devil's Hand Keep. Lord Brandon Slate, the North's Hammer and Harbinger of the Old Gods. Lady Brame is Light of Winter's Garden and Beacon of the Northwest. Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye and Castle Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is leader of the Werewood Protectorate Alliance. Lady Cachon Volant is of Swine Harbor. Lord Barone of Hillcrest is Lord of the Hall, then wielder of the Valyrian Seal Machete Everglazed. And Lord Alistair Whittaker is Lord of the Donhold. I've neglected to mention at the beginning of this episode, our first sword, Jeff Gnarly, the Longsnapper. Sorry, Jeff, you belonged at the beginning there. As well as the great, soon-to-be great dragon, Mazalacartho, ridden by Lord Mark Joseph the Snow in Winterfell. Let me tell you, as young as that dragon is, it definitely would have made a difference, saved a few northern lives they'd had this in the uh, Battle of Winterfell just now, Ramsay would have um, faced a bigger challenge if he had a dragon like Danny did, for sure. And also thanks to King's Justice, Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian blade fate, who would have loved to been the one to execute Ramsay himself, but alas, I believe he even sees the fairness of Sansa getting to do it. Also thanks to Lord Commander Dubbington, the Red Bear, as well as the rest of our Patreon supporters, including... The Nist History of Westeros Night's Watch, led by Lord Commander George the Golden, First Ranger Fabian Flowers, the Bastard of Green Shield, and First Steward Dolorus Ronick Cantrell, wielder of the Valyrian Spoon for the night is dark and full of turnips. And Dolorus Ronick had a question for you, Sean. The question is, if it's a it's a it's a what if question. If Roos had killed Ramsey rather than the other way around, do you think maybe he would have come out ahead in this whole situation? Do you think he would have Maybe, maybe been more cautious about outside help arriving or perhaps not played with John as much or maybe just done something in general differently. Is there enough? Do you know enough about Roos' personality to say that he feel confident that he would have done something differently?
1: I, yeah, I think so. I think he would have done, I don't know how, significantly differently because I can imagine Roos might have not even fought John. I can imagine Roos saying, like, look, I'm not giving up Winterfell, but I know you need help. All semi troops to fight at the wall against the zombies. Mm.
0: I, I can imagine that. He could have played uh, some politics that way and be like, how can you stand against me when I'm assisting you? You know? Yeah. And, you know. I think for sure
1: he doesn't go meet John in the battlefield. He just stays in a castle and waits for John to come to him. He said that's what he's gonna do. <laughs> like <laughs> I think it's definitely a thing
0: he does. Yeah, they were talking about how Ramsey won't do that because he wants to show his strength and you know doesn't want the North to see him see him as weak. Roose might Find other ways to show his strength and just still stay in his castle. One way to show your strength is to not lose the battle. (laughs) That's one way to show your strength, right? Like that's pretty strong, uh, not losing,
1: and not have all these men killed. All these allied houses come into your banner. Bruce getting slaughtered in a battlefield by your own arrow fire. Mm -hmm. Like I think Bruce, I could see him doing that,
0: but I wouldn't assume that he would.
1: Uh, and I think for sure, almost for sure, for sure, he doesn't get taken off guard by a Littlefinger like that. Bruce seems to do a little bit more politicking around in the first place. He's more like aware of the goings on mm. in the kingdom. Ramsay's almost oblivious to it, it seems. Uh, and additionally, even Jamie points out when they come up to the phrase at River Run. Yeah. Jamie says, "We just walked in here with four thousand or however many yeah, troops. What kind of you don't even have any kind of perimeter set up to let you know we're coming? What if we were bad guys?" Roos would be as smart as Jamie, as far as that goes. Roose would have had a perimeter set up and scouts to be aware of yeah. an approaching army. So I, agree. Uh, I think
0: he would have handled it better as well. He's he's more experienced and he's also less moved by his emotions. He's more, he's a, they're both. Ramsay's a, a psychopath of sorts and Rus was more of a sociopath you know if you if, you, if, if to use my own armchair psychology mm-hmm. i'm not sure if those definitions fit perfectly but i that's how i see it you know i understand
1: and, your meaning for sure uh-huh. yeah
0: <laughs> so in other words Rus isn't like trying to think of he doesn't care about making his enemies suffer along the way he'll do it to send a message he'll do it for a result but he won't do it just because he wants them to to suffer like to because he gets pleasure out of that Whereas Ramsey does. Ramsey could tell Ramsey was enjoying making John squirm. Bruce hmm. wouldn't have cared about that. He may have done something similar with Rickon just to not shooting him at a distance. He wouldn't have done something as, you know, like that. But he may have brought him out and, and killed him in front of John to, to throw him off a bit. You know, he might have done something like that. Something a little more Again, I wanna give <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I want to give Ramsey credit for doing some clever things. Yeah. Um... But I still think that Roos would have been more successful in the end.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's talk about the credit stuff. There's definitely a, there's a shot of John kissing Sansa on the forehead and saying, "You know, we have to trust each other. You know, we have so many enemies now." And it's interesting. Two parts of that are interesting. One, so that this is probably them talking about why Sansa didn't tell him some things and maybe why John didn't tell her some things. And also, maybe setting up some conflict between them. Maybe that is what we're heading toward. Maybe they won't work it out. Maybe they won't be able to trust each other. Um, that's a possibility. And, but the maybe other thing is. Maybe
1: she's telling him that she's pregnant with Ramsey's kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe. And the whole idea of, you know, they. But him saying, we have so many enemies now. I was like, well, don't they actually have less enemies than they had before? Are are some of these northern houses going to still be out to get them because they sided with the Boltons and lost? Are they still, you know, are they going to be pardoned? What's going to happen? Like, we don't even know what happened to Lord Karstark. Lord Umber is dead, so New Blood could, his son or whoever takes over there could be like, I wasn't behind that decision. I'm with you guys. Sansa Uh, might be warning Jon that Littlefinger is actually an enemy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She's like, look, he saved us, and we might be able to use his forces, but I'm telling you, he, we can't trust him. Yeah. And that, that might be a person, that might be why John would say, we have so many enemies. Even people who seem like allies are enemies, okay, well, we really have to trust each other if you're telling me I can't trust this guy. Right? Yeah.
0: Also, I noticed that, speaking of Sansa and trust, at the end of the scene where she's letting Ramsay be killed by his dogs, it starts snowing. And the episode basically ends with snow just falling. There had been a little bit of snow before that, but I thought it was neat that they had specifically aimed to have snowfall right then in that moment right as, you know, she's walking away with that kind of semi-smile on her face, which is kind of dark in in its own way. But then what we see is, so we see Sansa in front of the heart tree, which is presumably the, the Winterfell heart tree, and there's some snow there. And Littlefinger is saying, you know, or Sansa says, what do you want? And Littlefinger says... I thought you knew what I wanted. And I think we all know that he wants to marry her and that's, you know, his path to, you know, just like Ramsay had to marry Sansa to truly take the North because she's Stark. Littlefinger is aware of that same idea. And he's now the heroic savior and he's engineered it pretty well, but he's hasn't, he fly in his ointment the problem here is that Sansa hates him now he's and she may see the political necessity she may be kind of forced into it but if there's a way out of it for her she's gonna take it she does not want to marry Littlefinger and I don't blame her so do you have any predictions with that do you think um she she's might gonna... hate him
1: a little less now that Ramsay's gone she got to be the one to kill him and little helped make that happen by coming in you know she it's possible I, yeah. I, I i'm not gonna say that she wants to marry him but she might not <laughs> actively hate him hmm. you can imagine she went through a phase of actively hating him and maybe she still is and always will but i think it's at least possible that she. she's isn't. certainly not
0: going to trust him if she's having trouble trusting john she's certainly not going to trust Littlefinger. Um, She probably doesn't have a lot of trust for people in general right now. She may have to relearn some of that, finding some people that, you know, she may have to have some interactions with people that are trustworthy (laughs) in the long term. In a way, though, I I feel like we talked
1: about this before, the idea of trust – a meaning of trust being knowing what to expect from someone, mm. even if you don't like them or you wouldn't yes. just trust like to your money. But Tyrion said it with right. the slavers. Like she, he, he on a, a certain man. level, she might actually trust Littlefinger more than Jon. She, she understands knows, his motivations, right? She doesn't, yeah. she's not quite sure what or why John's going to do things, but she does know. What little She doesn't know what to expect from Littlefinger. That you know? makes sense, yeah. Even if it. it's not good things, even if it's greedy things or manipulative things, she knows to expect greedy, manipulative things from Littlefinger. She can at least, whatever his plan is, she will know to consider what his motivations are, what the ramifications might be, how she might begin manipulating it. But if John has some plan, even if it's a uh, honest plan, if you will, right? Yeah. She still doesn't necessarily trust that John has thought it through or knows what the ramifications will be mm. or if he's right about what his plan is. The Ramsey-vacations. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's see. What else do we have? We have a shot of Bran. There's no dialogue or anything. Just a shot of him kind of sitting there. So we're definitely getting at least a scene with Bran. We get a little see what's happening there. Maybe some follow-up. Maybe they try to head south. Maybe see Benjamin and Mira again, I would assume. So there's really not much to say there other than I'm excited to see what they do with that. We see the phrase and Lannisters together. We see Jamie sitting in Lord Walder's hall as they're celebrating. And Walder's saying, you know, the phrase and Lannisters send their regards. And it's a popular idea that Arya is in this room in disguise because there is... Some behind-the-scenes clues that Arya will have at least one more scene this season. And that would be a place for her to turn up. We don't know where. There's plenty of places she could turn up. She could turn up at the Citadel. She could turn up at King's Landing. I hope not, because King's Landing looks like it's going to be having some problems with wildfire, potentially. And the Riverlands is the other main possibility. The North is a possibility, too. I mean, she says she's going home, but it's hard to just take ship directly to the North. Uh, It's not impossible. We've seen it happen. So there's a lot. Of, we can't predict where Arya will, will go exactly, but I think the Riverlands is a strong possibility. And if so, maybe she even gets to kill Lord Walder just this quickly. Uh, I kind of doubt it, that it would happen this quickly, but that'd be something.
1: I was surprised to see Jamie there
0: uh,
1: at uh, the Twins because uh, I thought for sure he was heading back to... King's Landing, Yep. I guess maybe I they need to have a meeting back there first just to resolve the battle or report in on what happened mm-hmm. or something. But A little, uh,
0: little politicking before heading home.
1: But there is something I was curious about. The Lannisters and Frey send their regards. To who?
0: Good question. It's a very good question. You wonder if there's some sort of wedding going on here, or there's some sort of other connection between Lannister and Frey. Why are they talking like they're... Maybe, maybe that's just Walder expressing that he's glad to have Lannisters as an ally and he's making them seem closer than they are. But maybe there's some sort of... I don't know who would get married. Um, <laughs> Jamie was Marrying one of, of, of Frey? That doesn't seem very likely. But, yeah, I, I'm, I, I think you're right. It's a little... You would expect Jamie to rush back to King's Landing as soon as possible. And that in itself is maybe a bit of a spoiler. If this wildfire thing comes down in a certain way, you almost expect that Jamie will either be there to stop Cersei from doing it or that he will... Come back to King's Landing after it's been done, and this will drive a wedge between him and Cersei. Because maybe, maybe the, the most extreme possibility is Cersei accidentally killing Tom and herself with this wildfire thing. And then Jamie might. That, of all, you know, of anything is going to make Jamie turn against Cersei. It would be something like that.
1: Yeah, especially like, you know what I did to stop this city from being burned to the ground, yeah. and now you burn it to the ground. What <laughs> a
0: kick to the pants yeah. that would be if Jamie stops the Mad King, and it ruins his reputation for life in doing so. Saving King's Landing ruins his reputation forever. And then his own sister goes and does it. Yeah, like the one person he cares about most in this world, the person that's like, it's just me and you. That's it. Me and you against the world. And then she goes and does that. That would just be, man. Yeah, that would be rough. Very rough for him, putting it, to put it mildly. So, so that's a good segue to talk about King's Landing. We see shots of the, the seven judges sitting on their seven-pointed star inside the Great Sept. Looks like it's going to be cinematic, and uh, you've got Cersei sitting there. There's a shot of Cersei kind of gazing out the window. And we've Loris. Looks like there's Loris's trial is happening first, maybe, because there's him like kneeling and you know, are you ready to accept, you know, whatever it is they say, whether he's going to accept judgment or accept repentance. Don't know what that, how that's going to play out, but it's very interesting. So, a lot to expect there. Marjorie, uh, we see Marjorie getting prepared. You know, in some way, we see Tommen having the crown put on his head, which is maybe the the crown. The faith is kind of c- confirming his reign. You know, like they're they're saying yes, we're, we're confirming you as the king. And maybe his official coronation. I don't. I'm kind of puzzled by that. I'm not sure what's going on there. But someone's crowning Tommen. I mean, we already know he's the king. I'm not, I'm not clear on what that means. Maybe they're deciding he's come of age and he can rule on his own now. I I really don't know what's what's happening there. But it's interesting. It seems like a really simple thing, just him putting the crown on his head. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it's actually very telling. But I can't really pin it down. I can just see a lot of possibilities. Um, Also, I
1: I had a thought. This isn't necessarily connected to the the trailer bits, but just something I was starting to consider is uh, what if they make another play with the army? You know what I mean? Mm. Like if Olena has the troops marching with, with Mace and tells, maybe tells Kevin or Kevin would want to save Cersei from her trial. If, they, mm. if they're if they willing to march the troops in once, they might be willing to do it again. But it might be tougher now that the crown is on the side of, now that Tommen ah, and the yes, forces yes. are being. But what if they're not? What if Kevin, I wonder if Kevin would play ball with Olenna. Because you remember that was like an appeal that was made to Kevin. You want your son back, don't you?
2: Mm-hmm. Remember? And yeah, he Kevin, still does.
1: Right, that Lancel is still part of this Faith Militant. I wonder if, Lance, if Kevin would play along for the moment, but might coordinate behind the scenes with Olena for some sort of a coup.
0: Hmm,
1: interesting. I don't know how likely that is, but I'm just considering if it's a possibility
0: that Olena was riding Kevin. That's a good suggestion, yeah. Well, speaking of Olenna, we have... Uh, this is not from the trailers. This is actually an a interview-type, behind-the-scenes-type spoiler, and that is that we will be getting a Avar's scene... Next episode, oh. and it will involve the Queen of Thorns. Oh, interesting. Yes, and it All may right. involve Ilaria as well. There may be a Dorn reach alliance happening as, as Varus tries to get them on Danny's side ahead of time. Uh, that That's my best guess. And we're also going to see from the same spoiler, not the same exact source, but the same type of source. We know we're going to see Sam next episode. There's a scene of him talking to a maester or something. So we're going to get some resolution on that, some movement on that plot. We get to see what happens, whether he's going to just try to get in and out of Old Town as fast as possible because he knows his father's coming for him or his brother and or his brother. So that's cool. We get to see what happens there. And we know there'll be more Danny. Danny Danny and Dario having an intimate moment. Um, Interesting what, you know, we wonder how much longer Danny's affair with Dario can go on because eventually she's gonna have to take like a noble-blooded king wife uh, wife husband you'd think i mean it's not a guarantee but queens don't rule without kings and kings don't really rule without queens unless they have already fathered heirs so that's gonna come up Uh, maybe not for a while but it's gonna come up so i don't know what the plotting is is amounting to if they're gonna make promises like Hey, you know, Olena might be like, hey, marry your dragon queen to Loris or something like that. That that will agree to that. Something along those lines. But at the time when Olena left King's Landing, I thought it was really interesting because not only they didn't kill her off. It's like it's, it was it was cleverly done in the way the High got her to leave, you know, by dropping the hint with Marjorie and her picking it up. But it also meant that maybe she has another role to play. She's yeah. not just going She's not just being sent off to just fade into nothing. She's still the ruler of that house, basically. Kind of, you know, like not. The, the Mace is the de facto leader of the house, but we know who's really running. She's things. the effective leader. Yeah. yeah, so it would make sense that Varys would know who to talk to. Yeah, you know, Varys would understand yeah. who the real power there is. Who wears the pants in that family? <laughs> um. So I'm very curious how that goes. so I guess maybe we'll see Alaria. That'll be interesting to see her again. Um, you know, as much as the Dorn plot doesn't make people excited, it's never too late. It's never too late. To stop having a bad plot and to start having a good plot. just <laughs> <laughs> It's Beric and, and Septon and Ray talking to the Dornish plot. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all you you all can make your plot line good still. It, you can't make up for what you've done, but it can be good going from here on. There's right? more it's... good to be done than bad. <laughs> so we'll have to see how that goes.
1: So we get one quick image of Bran.
0: One quick image of Bran, I don't know what that's going to mean. No context
1: or anything else, but just that he'll be in it, maybe we'll get a vision.
0: Hopefully get some walkers, or maybe we'll get a vision. We know that there is likely to be some sort of resolution to John's parentage, or at least moving forward on that, we'll see more about it. Uh, Partly from the the flashback that Bran sees, where he sees the quick image of what appears to be a dead body and what appears to be young Ned's arm near it with blood and everything, which would be Liana... You know, giving birth maybe—it's our best guess. So yeah, that all makes sense. that brand would have a, at least one more vision because we got to see that, and we've just had—you know—this could this could change John. Although I don't think he's going to find out yet. I think it's going to be a reveal to the audience, and then it's going to be like, whoa, what? How is John going to learn about this? What's it going to ma- mean to him when he does learn about it? Assuming he assuming he finds out, which it seems likely. And yeah, how will it go from there? That's all really. Big open question. Uh, do you have any any predictions there? Or, um,
1: I mean, it could be revealed to the audience through Bran and also revealed to John through Littlefinger.
0: Yeah. That's a possibility. So that's true. It could happen simultaneously. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of possibilities for how that could go. Um, I think that covers it. I think we mentioned all the... Actually, there's one other thing in the trailer, and that's just somebody walking out like from the shadows yeah. out into King's Landing. I've been watching that again. I'm almost positive it's Lancel, but I can't be 100% sure. It doesn't look like Loras to me. The hair is too long. It's a short hair, and it looks like a black, robey thing, which is what the Faith Militant are wearing. It could just be a random member of the Faith Militant, but I think it's Lancel, and I really don't have any other good guesses because. Boris in disguise. Well, it's there's no hood or anything. Yeah, it would be, it'd be, pretty, it'd be a damn good disguise. Um, it doesn't look. Arya like... Arya in disguise? Well, that would be an even. That would almost be. Well, it's about the same level of damn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was one other thing,
1: by the way. They, uh, the we do see the. Contention between Davos and Alessandra. Oh,
0: yeah, you're right. I totally forgot about that. You're right. I have that in my notes and I skipped it. She, He's yelling, like, tell her, tell him what you did. It's like John is sitting in judgment or something like that. And yeah. Alessandra, looks, she looks guilty. She looks like, you know, she's, like, yeah, I did it. I wonder what whole defense will be. I wonder, yeah, I really wonder.
1: I mean, she's been in a similar spot before and came out on top, right? Yeah. Like, almost exactly had Davos... Yelling at Stannis about how Melisandre is this evil witch, and in the end, is like, "Oh, look at my tits. <laughs> I'm
0: still in control here." Yeah, that can only is those tits will only work that so many times there, Mel. But no, I think uh, I think I think she's going to live on. But I think there this this conflict will be interesting, and it will cause some good tension going forward. It will be because we needs the 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 tension has to switch away from humans fighting humans in the North. There are no enemies in the North anymore. It's now the walkers are the enemy. And this is an inhuman enemy that isn't about torturing and being cruel. And, you know, their agenda is supernatural. It's not, they don't have human motives. They don't have, hey, you killed our family. We're coming for you. They're, well, who knows what they're thinking? If they're even thinking, they may just be beings that do things. We're having some cat thunder here for our video. (laughs) And, yeah, so I it's the others are still, or the Walkers are still a, a mystery at this point. Even though we've learned things about them, we've learned where they came from, but we don't know, you know, a lot more than that. Just, even though we've learned some things, there's still a lot we don't know. We know more than it. we
1: used to, but we still don't know much.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that definitely seems like something that will be happening next season. We may get some glimpses of it this season, but I'm guessing that most of that will be next season uh, because there's just so much to wrap up in the in the natural world, <laughs> the non-supernatural side of things. And I think that the focus of next season will be this great struggle. On the other hand, the episode's called The Winds of Winter. That's what this next episode's called, so there may be you know some sort of footnote to everything where it's all going to start to wrap roll itself into the whole the whole continent being geared towards this conflict the game of throne it may be less about politics and more about survival and more about you know, having to make tough decisions with regards to just staying alive rather than right or wrong you know
1: a quick thought say winter comes uh I don't want to get too caught up in this because we're short on time. But say winter comes, does it come to the whole world? Is it going to be freezing cold in the Dothraki Sea? It
0: should come southwards. Like the Dothraki Sea is still very far south of the north, on the, in the, yeah. on the, as far as the globe goes. But it's possible. I mean, if if the snow if snow gets down to say. King's Landing, King's Landing, then right. that's about lined up with the northern part of the Doth- Dothraki Sea.
1: And say the Dothraki army comes across to Westeros. Yeah, they're not used to that. And winter comes and they're like all shirtless in this freezing weather. Like, I don't know if that'll be a factor this that. considered at all.
0: Good but. good point. Yeah, the, the, the winter will make it difficult logistically for some of these armies to do their thing. I mean, yeah. have issues with food. I don't know. No. Both sail. Feeding How frozen
1: will the water be?
0: Yeah, feeding the feeding the horses will be a problem. The grass is like, where's the grass gonna be? Yeah, well, the snow is. Yeah. yeah, that could. I think that will be a major challenge uh, next season, and we may see them setting that up in this next episode. So yeah, we are about out of time. So thanks everybody. Thanks Sean. Good to be here. And we will be back next week to wrap the season up. We will probably do a. Wrap up episode after the the after the episode ten review. So look out for that. We may do it. We may do a live Q and A for that. We'll certainly uh, be posting it on all our social media sites if we decide to do that. We got a few things to work out as far as timing and schedules, but we do expect to do that. But we haven't announced the time just yet. So keep an eye out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again, everybody. Valar mor Valar battle of the bastardus. Valar see you next weekus.